Welcome to Art Bell Somewhere in Time, tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 1st, 1995. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening or good morning as the case may be and welcome to yet another edition of Coast to Coast AM and beyond, actually from way beyond borders. It's good you're all here. I'm happy to be here. And uh, I guess I'll say it for the rest of this week. It's nice to be back on U.S. soil once again. I'm Art Bell, and yes, this is Coast to Coast AM. Live talk radio throughout the nighttime on the CBC Radio Network. The largest, fastest-growing nighttime live all-night radio program in America. That sounded redundant somehow. Anyway, welcome. Lots of news to talk about. Bob Dole goes to Hollywood. Well, Bob Dole blasts Hollywood. Uh, CBS said, sex, drugs, rock, and dole. (laughs) Ah, Bob Dole really came after him. He attacked Hollywood, their producers, the grips, the movies, the values, the record industry. He came after uh, the entertainment medium uh, generally. He says he sees it as graphic and gratuitous violence. He said the entertainment industry is debasing the culture with indecent movies and deviant music. He said, quote, A line has been crossed, not just of taste, but of human dignity and decency when Hollywood's dream factories begin turning out nightmares of depravity. End quote. Ooh. He uh, named names. He talked about uh, the movie Natural Born Killers, which he cited for its violent content. True Romance, which he cited for its sexually explicit scenes. I haven't seen that one yet. Now I want to. He also came at Time Warner uh, for, you know, Two Live Crew, which has a lot of... um, Very rough music, without question. To Time Warner, he said the following, quote, I would ask the executives of Time Warner a question. Must you debase our nation and threaten our children for the sake of corporate profits? End quote, in question. So that's pretty rough stuff. And um, I, I guess point one is... Is it fair criticism? Now, Bob Dole has never had word one to say about Hollywood before. This is new for Bob Dole, but, you know, whenever you see Bob Dole, as I've said many times in the past, if you look very carefully, you know, they don't do close-ups these days, but when they do a close-up of Bob Dole, you can actually see little tiny white houses with the pillars and everything sort of shimmering in each one of his eyes. So it's a natural question to ask whether, since he's not come out with this kind of a blast against Hollywood uh, before, whether this is a political tip odi hat to the religious right. In other words, is it just political, and, uh, and where does it lead? I mean, do you want, what do people want, censorship um, or what? Now, interestingly, I've seen natural-born killers. And I, I think I said this over the last couple of nights because it, it there were indications he was going to name this movie, and he has. 
And I think it's a very poor example. There's a lot of violence in Natural Born Killers. Ooh, it's a very violent movie. But it's violent uh, with... Uh, in other words, it had, it had, I thought, great production value. It, uh, it was violent in the genre of Clockwork Orange. That kind of a presentation. It, it, there was talent involved in the way that the story was w woven. And um, I don't think it was a good example. I mean, I've seen a lot of movies with gratuitous violence that I would have listed before Natural Born Killers. Now, Natural Born Killers sounds good because it's got a title, sounds like it's just nothing but violence. Norman Lear said the following. Hollywood, in its presentation of violence, and this is really, I, I guess I should preface this statement. Um, uh, Dan rather read it. But it's a pretty good blast back at Dole, and, I, and so while I ask you whether Dole's statement is fair and right, I want to ask you to respond to the one that Norman Lear now makes, too. Norman Lear said, quote, Hollywood, in its presentation of violence and sex, has no more to answer for than the Congress of the United States. The name of the game in the entertainment business is short-term profit. This is exactly what Congress is all about. How you can get elected in the short term and every other value be damned, end quote. Now, do you, uh, do you agree more with the Bob Dole statement or the Norman Lear statement or both? Do both have value? Or do both of them lack value and scream politics? You decide. And uh, here, um, from the, uh, the governor of California, uh, Governor Wilson, I've got a uh, very unusual, I don't, I don't usually do sound bites. But um, as you know, uh, Governor Wilson yesterday ended uh, in California affirmative action. And uh, here's what he said. All I've got to say is, boy, a few more sound bites like that, and I might have to vote for the guy myself. It was, uh, it was impressive. <laughs> I shake up the board ops out there. With the stroke of a pen and uh, with the stroke of the angry white male uh, voter, uh, Pete Wilson, uh, California's governor, outlawed all California state affirmative action programs actually uh, only affecting, at most, really a few hundred uh, state jobs. He also endorsed the California Civil Rights Initiative, expected to be on the 96th ballot. Big question is whether this kind of action on the governor's part will get him on the 96th ballot, and I think not. I think not. Um, I would not describe Pete Wilson as my guy. Uh, he's just he's got he's for too many things that I am not for. Uh, gun control uh, is right at the top of the list. He's pro abortion. Uh, he breaks promises. He's uh, just done a lot of things that. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, on to Bosnia. The situation is worsening. Just one day after our president seemed 
Underline the word seem to change his mind and prepare the way for U.S. ground troops to enter Bosnia. The Serbs have now responded by promising a bloodbath if U.S. troops show up in any form, and that means even rescue operation. Um, the, uh, the leader of the uh, Bosnian Serbs now describes the 370 U.N. hostages, some chained to targets, as prisoners of war, POWs, and says if we try to rescue them, there's going to be a bloodbath now. Our military is beginning this weekend live ammunition practice in Germany for exactly the kind of operation the Serbs promise will turn into a bloodbath. Some countries are now trying to free their hostages independently um, uh, of the UN. In other words, they're bargaining. Probably France. France always does that. They'll even pay to get them out. In fact, 2,000 troops are training for the operation now in Germany. 2,000 troops are offshore. Former Secretary of State James Baker said, quote, I think that we're just about to embark on a very, very slippery slope without having given sufficient full consideration to the possible consequences, end quote. Boy, do I agree with that. CBS ended up by saying, um, our troops, our troops, if they do go in, will not go in as peacekeepers, but full combat soldiers ready to take on anyone who gets in their way. Now, let me read you what Reuters this last hour said. The leader of the Bosnian Serbs has delivered a stern warning to the international community. He says any military effort by the United States or any other world power to free hundreds of U.N. hostages being held by the Serbs would result in, quote, slaughter, end quote. The Bosnian Serbs are holding some 370 U.N. personnel as human shields to ward off further NATO airstrikes. His warnings came as Serb shellfire rocked the eastern Bosnian Muslim enclave of Garajda. So, there you have it. That's where the situation uh, in Bosnia stands this morning. Not in a good place. The president in Montana, uh, this, uh, last, this evening actually, seemed to be turning around again and saying, no, 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 we're not going to put U.S. troops on the ground. There'd be a lot of people killed. I, I'm losing complete track of what this president is saying and what he's doing, and I, I think that's because he doesn't have any idea what he's saying and doing from day to day. It changes. So I just I have no idea what this man is about. All I can say is we've got to get him the hell out of the, the White House in 96, and I wish it could be earlier. OJ's, the OJ trial, I've not mentioned that in a few days, but I mention it now because um, it's about to get interesting. Now, I've got a late report. Somebody, gave, somebody in fact, said, Art, uh, KNBC down in Los Angeles is reporting tonight that three of the remaining four alternate OJ jurors are under investigation, may be removed as early as tomorrow. Huh. If this trial ends in a mistrial because the jury pool becomes less than 12, would the next trial be ruled by the same judge or would a different judge be appointed? That's uh, Linda in Metairie, Louisiana. 
And indeed, we know that at least two, maybe even three jurors, may be soon out or are at least being investigated. The boring but crucial DNA portion of the trial is now over. The next witness is going to be a really weird character, this um, Los Angeles County coroner. You may have seen him in the pretrial hearings. He's... Um, He's a weird character. The allegation was that he, uh, he, he, he was so angry after the pretrial hearings, he went back to the, uh, the coroner's office and pulled a gun out and said something about dispatching some of O.J.'s attorneys or something. That's the allegation. That guy. So he'll be next on the stand, and during his testimony, the jury will no doubt see what the judge called horrible graphic pictures of the victims at the scene. I have no problem with that, by the way. Seems to me reasonable they see the truth. Now, the O.J. trial, they say, is not your average trial. The average murder trial in Los Angeles takes about two weeks. Two weeks! Simpson trial is not normal. It's Abby normal. They've spent $3 million thus far. And the worst part of it is, it may all have to happen again. Now, in fact, it's looking more and more that way, as though it's going to be a mistrial. If there is a mistrial, and O.J. Simpson has to be retried, heaven help us all, do you think that, that Judge Ito should be the judge, or should they seek a new judge? Should he even be retried? Depends, I guess, on, uh, on how it comes down. <laughs> When I was in the Orient, um, it was in the airport, uh, I believe at Tokyo, yes, in, in, in Tokyo. I met a lady who had a little bitty baby, that, uh, and she was on her way home. She had been in Ho Chi Minh City, or Saigon, your preference, uh, for a couple of months, a lot longer than she had anticipated being there. But she had this little baby, this little Vietnamese baby, and she had just adopted it, and she was as proud as could be, and you know, on her way back to the states with us. And I, I didn't say anything, of course, but I, I thought at the time, now why is this woman coming all the way to Ho Chi Minh City to adopt a child when there are so many American children that need adoption? But if you saw Forty Eight Hours, or you saw the CBS report yesterday, maybe. That's the answer why. Uh, you see, American courts now, um, for whatever reason, have begun to take children away from parents who have adopted them years after the adoption because the regular genetic parents have come back and gone to court. And so we hear about baby Richard and baby so-and-so and baby so-and-so, and the stories go on and on because the courts wrench these children away from the parents that have adopted them and give them back to the natural parents. And so you know what? Now I understand why that lady was sitting in the Tokyo airport with that Vietnamese child. And um, I think it's wrong. I think once an adoption has taken place, it is an adoption. And once a child is with parents for years, those are the parents. And so I don't blame that lady who was... Uh, on her way back from uh, Ho Chi Minh City 
uh, with this child. I thought you might have some comments on that. I, I, it all kind of fell into place for me when I saw the reports uh, last night on CBS about the courts coming back and taking these children away. I'll tell you something. I'm the kind of guy to be sitting there with a shotgun, loaded and ready for bear. I mean, I, you know, you have a child for years, and they come and try to take that child away. Uh, you'd best not get in my way. That would be my attitude anyway. T-Rex. Trionosaurus Rex. Oh, no. All of our mental images were wrong. T-Rex, the big meat eater, the guy who stood on two legs, 30, 40 feet into the air, something like that. Wrong. The American Museum of Natural History in New York uh, has, you know, bones there. You know, they've showed for years T-Rex standing up on two legs. Wrong. You know how they figured out that's wrong? Because they've got lots of footsteps from T-Rex, but no tail dragging behind. And see, if T-Rex was up on two feet, then the tail dragged behind, right? But there are no tail tracks. So they said, we've been wrong all these times, so they've redone it. Put all the bones back together a different way. Now, T-Rex stands uh, maybe, maybe seven feet tall. Still a very awesome animal. Still, uh, human beings would be, they said, bite-sized for T-Rex. But he'd, he'd be coming at you at, uh, um, you know, about the size of a big basketball player or something, about seven feet. I don't know if basketball players get to be seven feet, but uh, something like that. Close, anyway. Uh, somebody sent me a fax um, worthy of a question. Equilibrium analysis, he calls himself in Southern California. All right, the person asking the difficult questions was indeed asking the correct questions. This was a phone call the other day. In answer to the question of, and I'm going to let this one hang in the air, are we players in the quickening or are we being played? God, that's a good question. I couldn't answer it. The guy called me and I, I had no answer. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, what a great question. Are we, in fact, you might put it this way, are we the architects of the quickening? And I think most of us agree there is a quickening. Um, are we are, are the architects or are we the, the players? Is it something that's just occurring by the hand of God or natural course of events? And we're just sort of walking along with it here? Or are we the architects of it? I really, um, I don't have the answer to that, but some of you might want to try. Now, I've had a million requests to read the Pope's predictions. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you all right now. I will read them. This will be the last time I'm going to read the Pope's predictions to the year 2000. I'm doing it because of the eminent date of June 5th. I will read them after 1 a.m. Pacific time, or uh, a little better than an uh, hour and a half. A little better than an hour and a half from now. I will do that so the latter uh, stations joining the network at 1 o'clock will have an opportunity to hear it. Then I won't get calls all night saying, well, I missed it. Couldn't you read it again? So I'm serving notice now 
that I will read them after 1 a.m. in the morning. The Pope's predictions to the year 2000 containing a very close in date now, June 5th. What, what is today, anyway? It's the first? Yeah, it is the first. And after midnight, the second. So, we're close. You're listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from June 1st, 1995. Somewhere in time, tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from June 1st, 1995. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. Great to be here. It's a nice, clear, beautiful night in the high desert of Nevada. And I think we're ready. Let me, uh, uh, well, I guess I better, I get, uh, let me give the official version of the phone numbers. I don't do this uh, frequently enough, and I at least need to do it at the beginning of the program. Write them down. And remember that we don't screen calls. We don't do that. We just pick up the next call. It's kind of scary, but it's fun. It's, you know, live, real live radio, kind of like the way television used to be back when it was fun. So that's the way we do it. Keep ringing till we answer. If, if, if the phone company disconnects you, curse them and their relatives forever. And then, uh, and then, uh, pick up the telephone. Boy, that was abrupt. And then, uh, pick up the telephone and try again. Just remember, when you put a curse on the phone company, try to eliminate Art Bell. I mean, if you mention Bell, try to, try to leave the Art part out. Um, east of the Rockies, the number is 1-800-825-5033. one 800 5033, anywhere out east of the Rockies. All right, here we go. A plunge into the unknown. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Good morning. See? Hello, Art. Well, you are there. Hello there. Yes, I'm here. Listen, I'm, on, I'm calling you from Alaska, and our, uh, our cable is down, and we're on the satellite, so there's going to be a little delay between my talking and your talking. Um, well, that's all right. I, 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 I can bear with it. As long as we know there is that delay, then there won't be a problem. Okay. One, one reason I called tonight, Art, I wanted to see if I could get a number where I could call. Uh, I wanted to get the, uh, the map that uh, Gordon Michael Scallion was talking about. Okay. Well, that would have to come uh, directly from Gordon Michael Scallion, and I would have an awful lot of paperwork that I'd have to go through here. Uh, to be able to find it for you. So all I can do is promise I'll try and find it and get that on the air for you. 
That'd be great. All right, thank you, Art. All right, thank you very much for the call, sir. Uh, actually, you know, um, I would think that the satellite delivery would be the one that would provide the least delay. Uh, maybe not. Uh, maybe it's uh, the other way around. I, I don't know anymore. I know that when we talk uh, very, very long distances, there is a delay, and unless you're used to, uh, to doing it, um, uh, it can be very confusing because everybody starts talking over everybody else. Uh, it can be done. You just have to be aware of the delay and account for it. Uh, east of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. Libertarian Nationalist, Aurora, Colorado. Yes, sir. How'd your vacation go, my friend? It was wonderful. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you're back safe and sound after uh, venturing into Chicom land. I sure did. Yeah, it must have been pretty interesting. By the way, I've got now most of the, uh, in fact, all of the photographs back. I have to scan a few more, and probably tomorrow I'm going to be uploading them. So um, the photographs from the trip are about to be available. Okay. Well, Art, you uh, posed a question. Did Bob Dole uh, ah, say yes. what he said about Hollywood in order to pander to the religious right? That's correct. And I think he did. I think everything the man does is uh, politically inspired. Me too. And, uh, you know, I, I have uh, immense respect for his service during World War II. But, I, you know, th this is no longer the same man. I think uh, somebody laid one of those pods from invasion of the body snatchers next to him when he was sleeping one night and and he was replicated yeah i i really hate to say it but i think the republican party if it nominates bob dole is making a tragic mistake and a big move toward putting bill clinton back in for four more absolutely unbearable years so you're right on the money art uh you know you and i agree on some things disagree on others uh my idea my ideology is uh pretty much in line with Chuck Carter's, but one thing we absolutely agree on, Slick Willie has got to go. Well, at least there's some common ground. You bet, buddy. Right. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, in your case, I imagine uh, you would think that a black helicopter possibly might take him away instead of the voters. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I just want to say I agree with the last caller there. I think uh, Bob Dole is definitely pandering to the right. And specifically, I'm wondering why he didn't mention, like, Die Hard 3 or... <laughs> or say married with children, or Melrose plays, or anything having to do with uh, what's his name? I like Ruben. married with children. Yeah, but yeah, I know what I'm saying. But when, could it have something to do with the fact that all of those are, in one way or another, connected to our good friend Rupert Murdoch? <laughs> I mean, they, I, I hadn't thought of that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll look at Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, and you know, any, you know, they're it's all the same thing. I mean, come on. Well. Yeah, are you? Uh, would you class? It, you, you know what I want to hear. I want to hear from somebody actually in the religious right. Would that be you? No, 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 no. I, I wonder what they would have to say. I mean, obviously his words were designed to please them. Yeah. I, I just wonder if people on the religious right, and I've got plenty of listeners in that category, saw through what he said and see it as a political statement, not necessarily a statement of uh, real belief. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I can. I. I don't think they could be that stupid basically you know what i'm saying because if he were really generally concerned he'd be blasting all of them you know not just the ones that are coming from the so-called liberals like oliver stone and all that you know did you, know you did you hear norman lear's statement uh yeah i didn't quite get what he was saying though but i all right well let me give it to you again see if you absorb this hollywood in its presentation of violence and sex has no more to answer for than the congress of the united states the name of the game 
in the entertainment business is short-term profit. This is exactly what Congress is all about, mm -hmm. how you can get elected in the short term and every other value be damned. Exactly. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I thought so, too. All right, well, thanks a lot. Thank you very much for the call, sir. I, I really thought that both statements... Uh, I mean, in, in, look, in a sense, I've complained about um, uh, television as well. To me, it's television. I, I worry a lot more about television, and specifically, I'm referring to programs that are on during the hours that children, you know, so many latchkey kids, they come home at, what, 2.30, 3 o'clock, whenever. The television goes on, and whatever's there is there. Now, if, if we want to do something about this, it seems to me, number one, we delineate between adults and children. I watched Natural Born Killers. Besides having production values, it did not for one second cause me to want to go out and kill a bunch of people. Not even for a second. But I am an adult with a, with a mind such as it is, formed uh, already. And I can accept and assimilate this material and uh, properly classify it. I've always been of the view that children are not necessarily in that category. And I know it sounds Hitler-esque to many, but I would have no problem with a regulation that from certain hours to certain hours, there not be gratuitous violence and sex on TV. Movies are a different thing. They've got ratings. Parents ought to be out there controlling their children, whether or not they go to an R and X rated uh, movie, whatever. That's the job for parents, and there are ratings that allow that job to be done. So I'm not going to blame Hollywood there. Nor do I think that most adults are influenced one way or the other uh, by uh, movies uh, with violence or sex. I think the violence is probably a lot more serious than the sex. Uh, but um, um, I'm, I just really, I, I think Bob Dole's statement was political. That's all, it was political. And I'll bet you that the people on the religious right that comment this morning, and we're going to get them, I, I, I would just, I, if I had to lay my money, I'd say that they too, even though they obviously will no doubt agree with most of what he said, can see why he did it. East of the uh, Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Um, I'm calling from Leesville, Missouri, listening to KCMO Radio. Oh, the big KCMO, Kansas City. Yes, sir. Um, I, by the way, I think uh, with Bruce Willis, and Die Hard 3. Uh, Bruce is a conservative, so... <laughs> well, I haven't seen Die Hard 3 yet. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Really? The, the first two Die Hards were great movies. Yeah, I never saw them. But, uh, I just... I think it was about a year ago I saw Bruce Willis on Entertainment Tonight, Bad Mouth and Clinton. And by the way, I, I... You know, the Die Hard movies also, they were not gratuitous violence. Granted, there was a lot of really cool explosions and stuff, but they was not just gratuitous. In other words, there was a serious, dramatic presentation of a story. Right? I've never seen neither movie. Oh, I see. Well, gratuitous violence generally means violence simply for the sake of it. Oh, yeah, just uh, blatantly show the gore. Yeah. But as far as what mediums to attack, though, and by the way, I hope Bob Dole doesn't stick with this too far, because that's sort of what did in Bush uh, at the Republican Convention in 92. Uh, pandering a little bit too much to the far right, letting Pat Robertson take the podium at the convention. But uh, as far as what medium to attack, though, I it seems like they always go after network TV. 
you know, ABC and all of them are now. Uh, well, they're, yeah, but see, they're, well, they're, they're putting up the, their anti, their violence disclaimers. When it's more cable TV. Well, yeah, but who cares about disclaimers? They just cause more people to watch it anyway. I, you know, network TV is different than movies, and the reason it's different is because it's delivered into your home free of charge, not like a cable channel that's scrambled that you've got to pay for an order. Well, yeah, but when the kid comes home from school, though, it's not the same as paying five bucks to see a movie. He just turns on the TV. Yeah, exactly. I think, if anything, the media should be attacking cable TV rather than going after network television. All right, sir, thank you. I, I disagree. Uh, again, cable is something that you've got to specifically order and pay for, and the really rough stuff um, is on pay-per-view, and you've got to specifically order that. Look, I really do delineate between an adult and a child. A child's mind is not yet formed. When it comes to children, I, I begin to bend, and I say, look, let's not fill up their little heads with all of this. Well, there's no reason to do that. During certain hours, we can just keep it off the television set. If adults want uh, violence or sex as entertainment, God knows there's enough of it out there. God does know, by the way. <laughs> there's enough of it out there. You can go rent it, whatever. Um, married with children. Interesting case. A lot of people think of it as extremely anti-family, uh, anti-moral, uh, anti-everything that is American. and But, you know... It is not presented as a serious presentation of any sort of American value. It is presented as a comedy. And I might add, it's incredibly funny. I, I really love that show. It's one of my favorite shows, Married with Children. But I'm able to assimilate it and laugh at it, and uh, not for one second uh, do I begin to emulate it or consider that it is uh, uh, any sort of serious presentation or anything else. It's just... A comedy, an irreverent uh, comedy, uh, kind of in the spirit of and an extension of uh, Archie Bunker. I think it's a, it's a riot. I mean, I've said some of the funniest programs I've ever seen, uh, comedies, are married with children. I know a lot of people think it's absolutely disgusting. I, uh, I don't. I think it's funny. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Is this Perump? Uh, Perump, yes, Perump. Bump, bump. Okay, may I ask you a few questions, sir? Well, I don't know. How many do you have in mind? Two. Uh, two. Two will be okay. Okay. Uh, first of all, I'm calling from the westernmost state of the Union, California. Yes, sir. This, this is the anarchist. Oh, yes. Uh -huh. Now, uh, may I ask, you used to have a caller purporting to be a neo-Nazi, and he used the name that started with a P. What is that name? What was that name? Do you remember? Now that you've asked me, it blew right out of my head. Uh, okay. Anyway, I know who you're talking about. You also have a caller called Charlie from... Uh, the liberal from California? Yeah, yeah. He calls other stations, and he uses a name that starts with an E. What is that name? Eric. Okay. Yeah, when you went into mainland China, what did you do with Art Bell? Where's Art Bell? Well, You can't uh, be running dog. Where's Art Bell? He's, uh, he's up now uh, in Beijing being held. And who are you? Well, if I told you that, there'd be no mystery at all, would there? How about Pablo? Why don't you ask Pablo? That's Pablo. That's it. Pablo. Yeah, that's it. That's Pablo. Where's our bell? I want our bell back. He's in Beijing. Yeah, you bet he is. Yeah. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Yes, uh, Joe in Wichita Falls, Texas. Hi, Joe. How you doing? Uh, I guess I'm one of those right-wing religious wackos. Um, oh, good. Uh, and uh, there's nothing that I think Bob Dole can say that would bring us aboard 
uh, I believe that uh, Pat Buchanan's probably our man. Uh, I would think so. And as far as... Uh, you know, there's the, something, about, something about when Pat Buchanan says it, somehow you know he means it. When, when Bob Dole says it, all you see are the little white houses getting a little brighter. Oh, yes, and uh, George okay. Bush got fired because of no about the taxes thing, not because of uh, pandering to the religious right. Yeah, that's a, well, of course, that's right. Uh, mainly for, well, two things got George Bush fired. Uh, one, his broken tax promise, and two, his uh, absolutely ineffective, ridiculous, look, looking like he meant to lose campaign. Well, if you don't try, he didn't try. Uh, that's a, well, that's because that's I think point. that uh, I think he figured uh, that it was a lost cause from the beginning because the people that voted in a primary for Pat weren't going to vote for him in the general. Period. I they would go. In, they were going to parole. That's right. I believe that's right. Mm -hmm. All right, sir. Thank you. Although, uh, again, uh, all the surveys show that if you took the parole vote, such as it was, and split it, it would have about evenly gone to Bush and Clinton. Now, that's a fact, and that's a result of a lot of surveys. So uh, so I, it, it may well have been that uh, Clinton would have, uh, would have won anyway. I just, I'm sorry, but I, the more I think about it, the more I think that Bob Dole is not the man to bill, uh, beat Bill Clinton. And if he is the nominee... Uh, we're in trouble. Uh, we're we're really in trouble. I I maybe in the end I'll I'll change, and I'll uh, you know if it's the only choice I'm sure I'll get behind Bob Dole versus Bill Clinton if those are the only choices. But I won't be a happy camper. East of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning. No, you're not. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. This is Robert up in Portland. Hi, Robert. Um, oh, I remember. Um, I read, I read at least Isaac Asimov's science fact, uh, little magazine type booklet thing. It's actually science, science fiction. He yeah, writes science fiction. It's science fact. There was one that was science fact. Really? That he was um, majorly involved in, and um, that's why his name was on the cover. I see. Um, because he's written several... Uh, non-fiction science books and whatnot. And? He's a PhD. Yes. And, um, or was. And, well, in one of them, in the very back, there was, um, a graph that he had found that a guy had, um, plotted out. This goes to the quickening, sort of, that, um, in all business troughs, major wars had occurred. In Civil all, in, war, I'm sorry, in, in all business what? In major business troughs, like recessions. Oh, down cycles, yes. Down cycles. Uh -huh. Yes. The, um, war is more likely, surely, yes. Civil War, the Revolutionary War, World War One, and World War Two all happened in a uh, re recessionary period. He well, in it. that case, we, uh, you know, the market was up 86 points a uh, day before yesterday and another 6 or 7 points yesterday, so I guess we're okay for the moment, huh? Uh, yeah, he predicted the next one for about 2005. Okay, uh, thank you very much for the call. I, I don't know how you can refer to what appear to be prognostications as science fact, but okay. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hi, Art. Hello. Uh, this is uh, Bob from Eagle River, Alaska. Hi, Bob. Yeah, uh, I guess start out with Bob Dole. Uh, what about Bob Dole? 
uh, well, I'm I'm pretty far right and I'm pretty religious, but he hasn't fooled me any. As far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't vote for him, even if it was only him and Clinton. Even if he even if he blasts uh, movies like Natural Born Killers and that kind of thing, that doesn't uh, that doesn't attract you. Not a bit, not a bit. That's just I think it's all politics. Got nothing to do with anything. That's like President Clinton blasting talk radio. That was just to make points with somebody. But all in the same thing, I think. Trying to uh, uh, trying trying to nose up a little to. Uh... Uh, 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 Gordon Liddy, huh? Yeah, maybe. That Gordon Liddy sure likes him. <laughs> but uh, I'd like to say something about Bosnia, if I could. Sure. Okay. Uh, Real quick, because we're know, almost out of time here. Okay. Uh, I just think President Clinton, he needs to learn that he can't delegate responsibility. He can delegate authority, but not responsibility, and He's trying to say that we're not going to send ground troops, but um, but if NATO asks, then we'll send ground troops and it's we'll true. put them in harm's yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It goes back to something else. No, you're right. Uh, one day it's one thing, one day it's another. This is a man who will say anything on any given day. I've actually given up trying to figure out what it is he really means. We need a new president. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from June 1st, 1995. Somewhere in time. Tonight's program originally aired June 1st, 1995. Here again, I am. It's an open line session. Anything you want to bring up is fair game. Talking a lot about Bob Dole's statement yesterday and whether he really meant it, whether it came from the heart or the White House reflecting eyeballs. <laughs> Here's a uh, fax on the subject. Art Bob Dole could be committing political suicide by keeping this anti-Hollywood thing up. It's quite obvious that he has not seen natural-born killers, and if he did, he'd see the message is about how we, the public, tend to glorify the O.J.'s, the Tonya Hardings, and the Loretta Bobbitts, and how we tend to become obsessed with the real-life details of their crimes. If Bob Dole wants to be president, he needs to focus on the issues which are on the people's minds. It certainly isn't government regulation of what Hollywood puts on the screen. It's crime, the economy, and welfare reform. People who want Hollywood and television productions regulated to me are lazy parents. They simply want to be able to drop their kid off at a theater, and they want to drop their kid in front of the boob tube and be done with it. Why don't they try parenting? I do it. I enjoy it. Bob needs to do the right thing. Stick to the real issues and don't play to the religious right, which Pat Buchanan seems to have a happy home with. Signed, Eric. 
from Grant's past. That was uh, well uh, written, Eric, and I think right to the point. I want to now repeat that we're going to be reading the Pope's predictions to the year 2000 uh, because of the, uh, uh, the very now close date of June 5th mentioned in them. And I will do it only once. I will do it next hour. Uh, when we have the final radio stations for the evening joining us, um, we'll do it in the next hour. And that way I won't have people calling back and saying, um, oh, I missed it, uh, you're going to have to read it again, which I inevitably do. So get ready for that next hour. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. Good morning, Art. Jerry from Minneapolis. Hi, Jerry. Hi. Uh, real quickly, uh, Eric is right on principle but wrong on tactics. The religious right are the balance of power. They're the swing vote. I think that may well be true for the right, yes, uh-huh. Uh, real quickly, first off, does your uh, cartoonist friend in, uh, I believe it's Phoenix, have the bubble with cop killer, pulp fiction, and natural born killers inside of it leading over to the uh, gunman who is uh, probably uh, young and a juvenile on the street and killing people? Much like uh, you were blamed, uh, along with our talk radio. Well, I was going to say you could do a cartoon like that and just uh, put a little extension, a little lightning bolt, my name there again. Well, let's let's have a little consistency here. The First uh, Amendment, uh, either it's an absolute right yeah. with responsibility implied, no, it's or a, it's, it's politically a, correct. No, it's a very well-made point. I mean, very well-made. Also, one more thing, Art. Uh, it was a little over a year ago, probably almost two years ago now, that Janet Reno was calling for specific laws and censorship against these same Hollywood types, Bob Dole is only suggesting to act responsibly. I'm not a defender of Bob Dole, but he was asking on a voluntary basis. Oh, it's true. I know. No, all of that is true. I, I, I think the question is more whether this is something that Bob Dole really feels as an issue, something important to him, or just something he thinks he needs to say. Oh, he is. Uh, he's a, a classical, a classic uh, tactical politician. I, I don't have much... Uh, 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 I'm not too impressed by him, but I'm just, I'm just uh, marveling at the delicious irony of listening to the liberals talking today about uh, how he has no right to say this, and they, how can they defend what's going on in Hollywood, and yet Janet Reno, they never gnashed their teeth two years ago when she was speaking up asking for laws. Well, I'll tell you, all right, thank you. I, I'll tell you what CBS said. They observed that um, this may be difficult for President uh, uh, Clinton because a lot of money... And a lot of support, uh, of course, come from Hollywood uh, uh, to the president. And if the right makes Hollywood a big issue, it may be that Mr. Clinton will have to uh, sort of sidle away from his close Hollywood uh, connections. CBS seemed to be nearly uh, bemoaning uh, that uh, that possibility. Never, nevertheless, um, I, I and I want to be fair, what Bob Dole said has value. The trouble is that I don't think he believes it. I don't think it's a real conviction of his. Doggone it, anyway. I, I'm sorry that I have to be saying these things about Bob Dole, because actually he's a good man. Bob Dole is a good man. It's just that he's, uh, he, he's as far into the... Uh, uh, the bureaucracy of Washington, as uh, uh, MGM is in, into that of the movie world. And, uh, you know, I just don't think he's the man to beat Bill Clinton. So I really hate being negative about Bob Dole. 
and I hate, but I'm going to say what I think, and I, I think that what he did was political opportunism, and that's it. Uh, on the wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. Yes, Art Bell there. Mm, yeah, well, let me check. Um, Art? Um, yes, hello, this is Art Bell. Hello, this is Wayne from Index, Washington. Uh, Wayne, uh, would you uh, turn down, turn off your radio for us? Oh, sir? certainly. That's good. So are we on the air? Well, I hope so. You hope so? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear it. It didn't sound like it on my radio. Uh-huh. But, uh, see, I had a, a gentleman called about the Scallion phone number. Yes. And uh, he also has another number. It's his hotline. He updates it every Wednesday at 12. And uh, Yeah, I'd, I'd rather not give that one out. I think it's a 900 number, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. No, let's not give that one out. We'll let, we'll let him give that out. Okay. And uh, I was going to ask you about, uh, you know, these big satellite dishes up on top of the hills, you see? Yes. And uh, are they capable of aiming and directing laser beams? Like, in you know, a laser warfare, I had this weird dream a while back, and I was wondering about that. Well, generally, satellite dishes are exactly that, satellite dishes. Now, um, I'm not familiar exactly with what a, a laser would look like, but I think it would not look like a satellite dish, so... Uh-huh. It would obviously have to have some reflective properties, so I, I really can't answer your questions. It's for talking to uh, Martians or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. All right. Well, thank you. All right. I, I have no idea, sir. Thank you. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Is this Art? Yes. Yes. Uh, this is uh, Two Birds from Gates, Oregon. Gates, Oregon. Right. Two. Your name is Two Birds? Right. Okay. I'm an Indian. Oh, I guess that would be a Native American name. Okay. Okay, two birds. Welcome. Yeah. Um, I have uh, some information. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk uh, about conspiracy theories lately. Mm. Americans love them. Yes. Well, I happen to have some information about a conspiracy fact about the... Um, that, that can't be. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if it is fact, then it is not a conspiracy. It's fact. Oh well, then I mean, it a conspiracy is a fact. conspiracy by its very nature is a theory, right? Well, well, I, well wait a no, minute. I guess uh, here you could be convicted of uh, conspiracy. Sure. Then it's fact. Okay, I see. All right, all right. Okay, two birds. Let's get to it. What is it? Okay, uh, have, I don't know if you're familiar about the uh, original, the true Thirteenth Amendment to the Constitution. You mean an amendment that's not there now? Right. There was an amendment that was ratified in on December 10th, 1812. And uh, through the, a conspiracy of uh, the fat cats and their agents working to undermine the Constitution, they arranged to have it disappear over a period of 70 years. Wow. And um, You mean like one one word or sentence at a time? It just sort of No, they they um uh they got control of the publishing industry and through bribery and so forth they You mean like disappearing ink? Well, no, it was like on a state by state basis. Uh-huh. Uh it disappeared from uh, the law books in in one state and then another and then another and by the time uh, 
uh, the last incidents that we've been able to discover was uh, 1876. And what was this uh, 13th Amendment that is di has disappeared? Okay, the, um, brief, I can read the text of it. No, 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 just give us the idea. Well, it's just one, basically, it's one long sentence. Uh-huh, which says roughly what? Okay, it says, if any citizen of the United States shall accept, claim, receive, or retain any title of nobility or honor, or shall, without the consent of Congress, accept and retain any present pension, office, or emolument of any kind, whatever, from any emperor, king, prince, or foreign power, Mm. Such person shall cease to be a citizen of the United States and shall be incapable of holding any office of trust or profit under them or either of them. Well, you know that worries me. You know why? Why? Because somebody sent me a large sword and dubbed uh, and and had inscribed on you know like the, I'm talking the big sword. I'm talking a big regular uh, sword. It says Sir Arthur Bell on it. Now. Uh oh. You're in so, trouble. Well, it sounds that way. All right. Well, thank you uh, very much for the call. <sighs> Guess I'm in trouble, huh? What am I going to do with the sword? Jeez, I've lost it all. But then again, that amendment's lost, so what the hey. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. Well, hi. Hi. Turn your radio off and get closer to the phone or something. It's hard to hear you. Oh, okay. There we go. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from uh, Diamond Springs, California. Okay. And uh, I'm Bill. Okay, Bill. Uh, I guess you didn't get a chance to watch uh, Ted Koppel tonight. No, I was on the air. Had Pat Buchanan and Norman Lear on. I see. And it was a, uh, an interesting exchange. Well, now, you see, Pat Buchanan, I would imagine, would be able to do a better job on Hollywood than Bob Dole did yesterday, so I bet it well, was. Well, he spent most of his time defending Bob Dole. He didn't make any judgments uh, as to whether uh, Dole, uh, you know, believes in his heart of hearts uh, that uh, uh, what he said. He just uh, marveled at the, uh, uh, the depth and breadth of what he uh, laid out, because this is kind of a watershed thing, because uh, no one's gotten really specific until Dole did what he did. Well, he and did. Time Warner, I mean, obviously, there, in fact, they had the CEO or, you know, the head monkey bucket, Time Warner. Time Warner, and all he could do was uh, label the thing some kind of ad hominem attack, which is not the case at all. It was a very no, detailed attack. It, it was. Um... And I tend to agree with it, and I don't care whether Bob Dole uh, uh, means it or not. He's playing politics with this. Yeah. What he said is true. Yeah. What he said reflects my feelings. And if I got out in front of my house and yelled it at the top of my lungs, no one would hear it. But Bob Dole just happens to be a uh, candidate for the presidency of the United States, might even become it. And uh, so the press makes note of what he says. So I'm glad he said it. Well, okay, sir. I'm not. Look, I am not going to take issue with what Bob Dole said because, basically, with the exception of uh, natural-born killers, which I bet he hasn't seen, I uh, I agree. And uh, the values uh, of Hollywood are very troublesome. However, 
there is this thing about the First Amendment. I delineate between adults and children. I think mean, most of you adults, you can... I said this last hour. Um, I've seen natural born killers. It had production value. It, uh, it, there was lots of killing in it, but it was not gratuitous without, uh, a redeeming value or, uh, a dramatic value or story value. All of that was there. So, I wouldn't have picked that movie. There's plenty of other ones out there with true gratuitous violence and no production value that I could discern at all. Uh, but, but more important, I think, is whether or not I believe that Bob Dole means what he said or whether he's saying it just because he wants to be president. He, that's what I think. It was just a political statement. I like people who mean what they say and say what they mean. I am suspicious of people who do things for political convenience and gain. And I know that that's what politicians do. And that's what Bob Dole did. And so I guess I'm just observing. Well, Norman Lear said the following, quote, Hollywood, in its presentation of violence and sex, has no more to answer for than the Congress of the United States. The name of the game in the entertainment business is short-term profit. This is exactly what Congress is all about. How you can get elected in the short term and every other value be damned, end quote. Now that probably is also a fair statement, isn't it? Regarding uh, politics. How you can get elected in the short term and every other value be damned. And I thought that was a reasonable uh, response to uh, Mr. Dole's blast in Hollywood. Dole's not wrong. I just don't believe that he means it. He uh, has had a very long and uh, somewhat distinguished career with some blemishes. Uh, but he's never harped on Hollywood before. And, and when you hear him now harping on Hollywood, you can, you know, you look in Miss Dole's eyes, you see little shimmering White Houses. And when, when he attacks something like Hollywood, the White Houses sort of, they, they get a little brighter. They pulse. <laughs> East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Good morning, Art. KWHN, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Yes, sir. I know you're not going to agree with this, but I, I, uh, I think if Bob Dole, if he gets the nomination... I believe he'll do more harm for the Republican Party than Clinton being in office for another four years. Well, you're right. I don't agree with that. I look, I look at it this way. Bob Dole does not represent the up-and-coming Republicans in the Republican Party. Well, I do agree with that. I mean, he has, if you look back at everything he has done, he has basically flip-flopped almost as much as Clinton. Uh, he has made... Oh, uh, yeah, there's no question about it. Bob Dole's a compromiser. Bob Dole's been uh, all his adult life um, a compromiser. It's what he does. I mean, that's what a minority leader and then a majority leader, that's what they do. There's, it's compromise. It's not, it's not good. one vote. It's not good training for um, strong leadership, in my opinion. Uh, he, he touts it as such, but a life of compromise is not a good OJT for a president who's got to make decisions. If he can't make decisions now, what good will he do if he is elected, which I don't think he will be, by the way, but if he is elected, he'll hurt the Republican Party. It would be better for Clinton to be in there and let him do his 
political pandering like he's doing right now than for Dole to get in there and turn away some of the young Republicans that are coming up. Well, frankly, thank you. I don't really like either uh, possibility, and I'm hoping for something else. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, Art. This is Eric in Bellingham. Hello, Eric. How's it going? Fine. Um, I was uh, watching a thing with Newt Gingrich. I think, I believe he was on, I don't think it was Nightline. It was on one of the major networks, so it was while you were out of town. Yes. While you were on vacation. Right. Um, and he was asked straight out if he planned on running for president. And he had said no, that he plans on sticking staying as speaker and right. focusing on his accomplishments as speaker. I know. Oh, okay. Well, I, am, I, know, I know he said that. Okay, yeah. That, I, you know, I, I wasn't too sure people were clear on that, but, man, I tell you, that would be a good race. I had a opportunity to watch him speak on C-SPAN um, in a... He was speaking in front of a bunch of uh, realtors, which would... Anybody else, it would have been a boring type thing to watch, but, man, I was just captured the, the guy look the guy is an intellect uh, oh, there's absolutely no denying it. love the guy or hate his guts you've got to admit he's an intellect yeah he's he's brilliant and sure. when this thing was over with i couldn't believe that i wanted to hear more you know and he's talking about you know the economy and uh raising or lowering interest rates for you know houses and whatnot but he he's able to go on about uh some of the other political aspects. I thought it was quite fascinating, actually. Well, it, I'm sure it was, and he certainly is, sir, and I hope, I, you know, I've got my fingers crossed. He has said no Sherman-esque-like statements, and uh, that always leaves the door open. In the last couple of days, he's, he's made some statements indicating he might be beginning to think about it again, and, well, he should. Let me see if I can get this now. Dear Art, shame on you for implying all, or even most women, would... React nicely to a fur coat. If a man gave me anything with fur on it, I'd feel like retching all night long. Oh, no. It's worse. She said, I, I, it's not retching. I would feel like reacting all night, like Lorena Bobbitt. Oh, that's terrible. Then she says, welcome back. Signs at Liberal Sue in Illinois. P.S. You're right about Bob Dole. Well, uh, just let me remember that, Sue. Um, you know, I I think most women, uh, I, not, and I, I stick with that, most women, I think, would very much enjoy a fur coat, Sue, but uh, certainly after what you've said, far be it from me to give you anything with even a little hair on it. I mean, I'd just, I'd, I'd brush it all off, whatever it is I ever gave you, Sue. That's a liberal name, Sue. I'm waiting for her to call in. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM, from June 1st, 1995.
listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM, from June 1st, 1995. Good morning, everybody. Good to be here. I'm Art Bell, and we're raging through the nighttime with five hours of unscreened, unpredictable, spontaneous talk radio. West of the Rockies, you're next. Good morning. You're on the air. Hello, Art. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. Well, I just had a couple of uh, questions for you. Well, actually, one thing. The guy who's calling about the satellite delay? Yes. Basically, that would be a uh, result of the signal having, having to travel farther, wouldn't it? 23,000 miles up and back. I mean, that's a lot further than any, any landline would have to go. Well, it is, but they also get those delays with landline as well. Um, sure. in, and a lot of times it will produce a very annoying echo, and uh, they've got a lot of equipment to combat that. So I'm really not sure... I know that sometimes we get great connections from Alaska. Sometimes we get very poor connections with a great deal of delay. Uh, where where are you? Actually, I'm in Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. Well, see, there's no delay at all. No problem. Hey, uh, last night I heard a woman call, and she said she found a recently a brother in North Carolina that was given up to adoption, et cetera, et cetera. And she asked what frequency he could hear on. And then she had another question, and you said you'd come back at the top of the hour or after the news and answer it. I'm not sure I ever heard that. And I forgot what her question was. but I remembered. It was, were the psychic hairs on the back of my neck standing? Uh, Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, basically what I was calling about was that uh, uh, I consider myself pretty much a uh, typical Republican, uh, a mix of your moderate to conservative, and maybe some surprisingly, I don't know, you could probe me and find maybe some liberal-type leanings, but basically a, a middle-of-the-road Republican. And I agree with you that... Uh, Bob Dole, I don't. I basically, I don't think he, he would end up being a viable candidate because I don't think we should fool ourselves. The real trick here... Well, so what's going on? Uh, uh, here I am with that view, and you with that view. You've just described yourself about the way I describe myself, and yet all the polls show Bob Dole, I mean, is so far out in front, it's not even funny. Uh, so we are not typical. Well, if I can use the sports analogy, baseball. You, you, you start off kind of on one angle, and you end up going to the right, and you come all the way around. You end up coming to home. It ends up being the middle. Now, baseball, or I mean basketball and football, they end up switching sides at the half, so you can't really use that. So let's say the Republicans end up going to, you know, lead off, and they end up towards first base. So I guess that means Democrats run the bases backwards, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, what, what I'm saying is that it's everything's geared towards the people that vote. I hate baseball. You sh- shouldn't oh, okay. use baseball analogies. Well, it's the only thing that seems to be fitting for me, but well, I'm disenchanted with it myself. But let me just get back to the what I'm trying to say is that not very many people vote, frankly. And it's it seems to me a bit of a game in that there's the posturing. You start off on one degree, and you come around towards the middle. Even some astute politicians such as Truman and Nixon recognize the fact that you, you, you start off leaning, say, Nixon would be towards the right a bit, and then you end up coming towards the middle to win it. Yeah. Now, I just see where where Dole is, is positioning himself too early, way too far right, to where that leaves a lot of room for Clinton to slide over in the middle and easily win the thing. Well, that's a very good point. Thank you. Uh, what, what you have to do generally is, as you're headed toward the convention and the nomination, you do have to go either very far right or very far left. 
uh, because those are generally the delegates and the people who attend the conventions. They're very, uh, very much um, uh, at the extreme. And then after that, when you get into the real campaign, you've got to pull yourself back to the center. So that is right. It's just that somehow, somehow, what Bob Dole did yesterday seemed... God, I hate doing this. Insincere. Now, that's a very rough word, and it may well be that Bob Dole does feel somewhat this way, but it seemed like a purely political blast with one particular intent. That was to attract... Uh, the religious right as much as possible from Pat Buchanan, who, by the way, I think is the genuine article. I don't even like saying that. I mean, Bob Dole is a genuine article in the sense that he is a a good man with a lot of distinguished service to the United States and a great war record and a hell of an individual and a very brave person, and he's all of that. I just don't think that he's the right man to run against Bill Clinton. And to me, that's important. Because as I sit here contemplating the possibility of another four years of Bill Clinton, the psychic hairs and the political hairs and even the hair hairs all stand up on the back of my neck. On the first-time caller line, you are on the air. Uh, yes, Art. I wanted to um, ask a couple questions, and I'll take my answer off the air. Okay. I'm calling from San Francisco. My name is Cindy. I'm listening on uh, KSFO. Oh, the big one up there. Yes, Cindy. Uh, yeah, I wanted to know, uh, when's the next time you're going to have uh, Mr. Scallion on? And uh, in your opinion, do you think that the uh, scenario, uh, the latest one he predicted, has uh, begun since the uh, earthquake in Russia happened? All right. Uh, thank you. Um, let's see. Next time I'm going to have Mr. Scallion on. Well, I don't know. We, just, we did a gigantic show with him, as you know, not long ago, four hours. Four hours. It's the longest interview ever given to anybody by Gordon Scallion. So we'll wait a little while. I mean, Gordon will come back on if I ask him to. And now, um, that may be influenced by what happens with this cycle. Now, the earthquake in Russia, about 30 miles from the Japanese coast, may well be, and according to Gordon Scallion, may well be uh, the beginning of the cycle of the larger quakes, if it is, and if I see this cycle progress, as we all fear that it might, then let me put it to you this way. Before the cycle gets past South America, I will have Gordon Michael Scallion back on, depend on it. Uh, so I'm watching the present uh, cycle very carefully, and um, uh, we will see. How's that for an answer? Best I can do. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi, Art. This is Craig uh, in Memphis listening on WMC. Hi, Craig. Hey, I heard that uh, Bob Dole mentioned the movie True Romance. He did. I've not yet seen it. I've seen it, uh, and it was great. It really didn't have that much sex in it. I, I bet it was it was very violent, like uh, all of Tarantino's movies. But well, uh, i he... tell you what would be, I think would be interesting and probably won't happen. Uh, you know Bridges of Madison County is going to be a, a smash. That's what they say. Well, and what does it deal with? You know, it deals with a, a woman having an, an affair. Well, that, say, I, I didn't know that. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know much about it. Well, I mean, I, well, that's just what I've heard. But uh, I haven't read it myself. But, it, it you know, as far as uh, morality and all, you won't hear anybody attacking that, I don't think. And it's, you know, very popular. Well, 
I, th I think the, the ones he picked were easy targets. I think that I'm sorry, but I think that it was just a sort of a political thing for Bob Dole to do. And because I think that, it makes me less interested in Bob Dole. I mean, there's a lot of really important issues right now that Bob Dole could have used his present forum to pound on. I mean, really important stuff. Um, Bosnia comes to mind. Uh, leadership in a situation like Bosnia comes to mind. Um there are just all kinds of things. Uh, the welfare state, the fact that Clinton really hasn't done anything, health care, all kinds of issues Bob Dole could have used the forum to pound on. But he took an easy shot, and he did it for an apparent. To me, it was very transparent. Mm. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, back when Perot was running for president, I, I pretty much liked a lot of what he was saying, and I was glad to hear someone, you know, first start talking about deficit spending, right. which, you know, it was a, a brand new topic. But uh, the thing that uh, got me disenchanted with him was there was some kind of neighborhood that had a real bad drug problem somewhere in Texas, and his, he said, you know, just give me a couple weeks and I'll solve it, and saying how he would, you know, just block it off and go door to door, and the uh, I remember that, yes. And that is when I was like, no way. I mean, everything else about him, you know, even though he was kind of quirky and crazy, I liked it. But then the, the thought of uh, someone just, you know, a, a police state in this one little place, but, you know, things like that can just keep happening. And that's when I was, that's when he lost me. I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. Um, yeah, I remember that. I remember that statement, as a matter of fact. I liked Ross Perot the most part. Ross Perot uh, is kind of crazy. Ross Perot is a bomb thrower. Ross Perot is a man who will say exactly what's on his mind. Ross Perot is somebody who would have shaken up Washington in a way it's never been shaken up before, and it would have done a lot more good for Washington than Bill Clinton's done in the years he's been there. I voted for Ross Perot. I agonized about that. I mean, I got so angry at Ross Perot when he dropped out, I could almost not go on the air. I was red-faced. And then uh, the, the campaign went on and on and on. I'm looking at uh, George Bush, and I'm looking at uh, Bill Clinton, and I'm going, oh, I just can't do it. Got to sleep at night, and so I went for Ross Perot. And I can see a scenario building this time when I would go for a third-party candidate. Maybe. Uh, it depends on who the Republican nominee is. If it's Bob Dole, I may have a problem. Yeah, we'll see. I tell you, Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton, now there you'd have an election. There you'd have something worth the price of admission. There you'd have something that would be a rip em, tear em, election of the century. If, if the O.J. Simpson trial is the trial of the century, this would be... The election of the century. No doubt about it. First time caller line, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, Art. Let me uh, turn my radio off here real quick. Thank you. I uh, I really enjoy your show. It gives me a lot to think about during the daytime. And something I was thinking about, uh, have you seen the movie The Lion King? No, but okay. I, I would like to. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a good family movie. Uh, Disney always had a little dark side in their pictures. Anyway... <clears throat> My uh, eight-year-old boy, he was noticing that uh, when the, uh, the bad lion, his name is Scar, took over the kingdom, yeah. the, uh, the kingdom it, it went to crap. It just everything died. There was no water. 
Uh, and he he told me that he thought it was similar to the way Bill Clinton was running America. <laughs> like the bad Lion King, huh? Right, yeah. And he was, uh, he was real attentive about that. And he also said that Bill Clinton's like yesterday's newspaper. And what he says today doesn't matter tomorrow. Well, that's true. Um, thank you very much for the call. I agree with that. Look at his statements of the last few days. It's kind of like, well, we're not going to put ground troops in Bosnia. Then, well, maybe under these conditions, we will put ground troops in Bosnia. And then the next day, no, we're not going to put ground troops in Bosnia. We'd get a lot of, we'd spill a lot of blood. Now it's all in the space of count them. One, two, three days. I have given up. I really, really have given up. Uh, listening to Bill Clinton. I just simply don't believe anything he's got to say anymore. It's all contingent on what the reaction is, apparently. He just does not make decisions that he sticks with or that he really... See, I guess what I want, and it's the same complaint I have with Bob Dole, I want somebody who really believes what he's saying. I think that's what attracted me to Perot. Wild a man as he was, the guy believed what he was saying. A lot of what he said was very good, too. He had the strength of his convictions. That's what I liked about Ronald Reagan, the strength of his convictions. Who have we seen lately like that? I even have complaints about Gingrich, but he's pretty good. Uh, I have complaints about, um, I'll tell you another man with the strength of his convictions is Pat Buchanan. There's no question about it. I like Buchanan. I just don't think he's going to be able to do it. But if he begins to catch fire, and I'd, I would do whatever I could to do, uh, could do to help, uh, I'd be in there plugging away for Pat Buchanan. In the meantime, I'll say it again, Gingrich, Clinton, there you've got a real election. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. I just hung up. I beg your pardon? Art. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was playing with the phone, and I thought you were part of it. Hey, and uh, when you visit over into China, do they have all the controversies like they do here with their government? Or because they're communists, they're just quiet about it? Well, um, they uh, their attitude about uh, dissent is a little different than ours. Yeah. They shoot people. <laughs> well, that's not don't, fair. Don't, don't laugh. I no, mean, I believe that. I, I mean, a know. few cracks about the leadership there, and you can be body parts. Yeah. Yeah, I was just curious over that, you know, because we here in America having our freedom of free speech and all, and with all the controversy over this new coming elections of the presidents and all that, I was just curious to hear what you'd recently found out over there. Well, that's it, sir. Yes, thank you. Uh, before you can say 7.62, uh, your liver's in somebody else. Uh, on the uh, wild card line, you're on the air. Yeah, Art, how you doing? Doing fine, sir. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, wanted to tell you how much I appreciated, uh, well, I think it was the uh, just plain gentleman you had from the middle of nowhere in Oregon. Oh, uh, he calls himself um, a ra radio's regular guy. Yeah, there you are. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he had a guy talking on there a while back about uh, uh, the Philadelphia experiment. No, that was me. Well, yeah, that's right. That was you. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. It's all right. Excuse me. I, I, I find those very, very fascinating. Um, just real quick, uh, I, I've been hearing a lot about Bosnia. Tonight on CBS News, 
or uh, I think it was NBC News, they were talking about how the president was changing his mind again and that uh, there might not be any ground troops committed. However, there are some 2,000 troops in Germany now preparing and so on and so forth. Live fire exercises. Yeah, they're getting ready yeah. to go in, sure. Well, my son is a uh, in, in one of those units in Germany. He told me last October that he was going to be going to Macedonia. He called me in April and said May 16th was the day they were going to Macedonia. I said, where are you going to be? He says, we're going to be about 100 yards from the Bosnian border on an outpost overlooking this whole thing. Yep. And I said, uh, <laughs> you mean to tell me you're going to be out there where the bullets are flying? He says, well, when his uh, advanced troops went in to set up the outposts, the Bosnians went into a heightened state of alert because they thought the United States was going to invade. Yeah, your son is what's known as a tripwire. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they say there's only 500 of them, but actually they sent the whole battalion. There's about 1,500 of them down there. Well, maybe. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a tripwire. In other words, if they come across the border, that's it. Then we are involved. Then we are at war. And frankly, if they begin to cross borders, then I think there will be very little choice anyway. Yeah. Well, the thing I told him was, I said, well, you know, make sure you shoot back. He said, well... He said the U.N. commander uh, is a Swede, from what I understand, and hates Americans. And uh, he wasn't going to give them that authority until after he saw them go out and practice for a couple of weeks and decided that they could have the authority on a limited basis to defend themselves if and when necessary. And I thought, well, son, you know, I, I'm not real happy that that's what's going on, but if that's the case, make sure you, uh, you know, when you shoot, make sure you shoot to kill to defend yourself because they're not going to stop, so... Anyway, I don't know how many American people know that, but I tried to get to... Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you said it, and I, I would just... The advice I would give my son is to hell with Mr. Swede. If somebody <laughs> shoots at you, shoot back and shoot to kill. That's it. Well, I told him, I said, you know, they're going to probably be wearing body armor, shoot for the head and run like hell. But uh, anyway, I, I tried sort to... Of a, sort of a modified Gordon Liddy thing? <laughs> well, I told him, I said, look, you know, I, I've tried to let CBS know. I tried to tell NBC, nobody's interested that we've already got troops just right on the verge of going in. And I thought, well, I wish somebody would say it, but nobody has. So, But All anyway, right. thank well, you for the opportunity. Keep right. up the good work. Thank you, sir. They're, they're really not on the verge of going in. Uh, the troops in Macedonia are there as a tripwire. And what that means is that if the Serbs come rush across the border, anybody comes rushing across the border, and Macedonia begins to be involved, then we're saying that's our line in the sand. Uh, we will then truly be involved, and by the way, I would back that idea. We just cannot let the Serbs run wild and begin to do a, a, a Hitler on Europe. So, um, you know, that, that part of what we're doing, I think, is, is appropriate. We don't want another Germany, do we? Uh, but we don't have one yet, and that's not what's going on, and so I'm not ready for the big fight. But apparently a lot of people back in Washington are. We're going to be reading the Pope's predictions to the year 2000 in the next hour. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. The night featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from June 1st, 1995.
landmark bell somewhere in time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from June 1st, 1995. This is kind of a Bob Dole goes Hollywood night. That's unfair. <laughs> Bob Dole hits Hollywood night is more like it. Campaign 96 underway is more like it. CBS called it sex, drugs, rock and dole. Rock and dole. He attacked Hollywood, their uh, movies, their producers, their values, the record industry as well. He sees it as graphic and gratuitous violence. He said the entertainment industry is debasing the culture. That's us. Uh, with indecent movies and deviant music. He said, quote, a line has been crossed, not just of taste, but of human dignity and decency when Hollywood's dream factories turn out nightmares of depravity, end quote. He cited natural-born killers for its violence, true romance for its sexually explicit scenes, and blasted Time Warner to live crew, that kind of thing. To Time Warner, he said, quote, I would ask the executives of Time Warner a question. Must you debase our nation and threaten our children for the sake of corporate profits? End quote. So, the only question I have for you, you know, Bob Dole, uh, oh, incidentally, uh, news this hour was that Time Warner was a contributor to Bob Dole's campaign. <laughs> Uh, my, my question is whether you think Bob Dole is sincere or whether the little white houses uh, that you can be seen in the pupil of his eyes uh, whenever he gets a good close-up to the camera are pulsating. In other words, has he just taken a political shot? And I'm sorry, but that's what I believe. And I'll say it again and again, Bob Dole is a good, honorable person. He's a good man. He's a politician. And uh, he's... You know, in his career, he's not been known to take shots at uh, Hollywood before. And so I think this is just, you know, it's uh, the campaign. And uh, I think it's an attempt to uh, co-opt some of the religious right vote that otherwise, no doubt, would go for Pat Buchanan, who, frankly, though I don't think he has a great chance at the office, is the genuine article. I mean, if the religious right really wants to cast a vote for somebody who really means what he says... I know that sounds harsh. Then I think uh, Pat Buchanan would be your guy, not Bob Dole. I see what Bob Dole's trying to do, and I'm not buying it, I guess. Norman Lear said the following, uh, quote, Hollywood, in its presentation of violence and sex, has no more to answer for than the Congress of the United States. The name of the game in the entertainment business is short-term profit. This is exactly what Congress is all about. How you can get elected in the short term and every other value be damned. End quote. So that's probably true too, isn't it? So I'm kind of not buying what Bob Dole uh, is saying. I'm also not buying what the President is saying, by the way. Um, three days ago it was no uh, Americans on the ground in Bosnia. Then a couple of days ago, it was, well, Americans might go indeed uh, to the ground in Bosnia. We've got to go in and rescue uh, the U.N. or help them, worse yet, to reassemble in more defensible positions to do God knows what, uh, which was really ridiculous. Then last night he was in Montana saying, well, no, Americans, there would be a lot of blood spilled. So I, 
I have no idea what it is that uh, Mr. Clinton is saying. Uh, quite clearly said uh, yesterday was that the U.N. prisoners of war, and that's what they're calling them now, and the Serbs are calling them, that if we go in and try to rescue them or do anything else, there's going to be a blood bath. And I would imagine the Serbs mean exactly what they are saying. Um, I, I would think this is a good time for diplomacy, and the diplomacy ought to be um, to go to both the Bosnians and the Serbs and say, we're ready to get out. Now, what do you guys think? We can do this the easy way or the hard way, and we'd rather do it the easy way. You open a path for the U.N. people to get out safely, and we'll get out of your hair, and you can fight all you want. Now, there's a piece of diplomacy that I like. It involves not sending U.S. GIs over there. It's just going to both sides and saying, you know, let's have a timeout. You want to have a war? Cool. We want to get the U.N. guys out. We don't want to shed a lot of blood doing it. Let them out. They'll be out of your hair. Get both sides to agree to that and leave. Anybody think that might be a good idea? When I was in uh, the Tokyo airport, I came upon a lady beaming, very happy. She'd been in Ho Chi Minh City or Saigon, whichever you prefer. Uh, and she had a little baby with her in a stroller, a little Vietnamese baby. And she had just adopted this baby, spent two, two months there adopting the child. And in the airport, you know, I, she was a proud new mom, and I was happy for her, but I thought, gee, why did she go all the way to Ho Chi Minh City and um, adopt a Vietnamese child when there's so many American children that could, you know, need adopting? And then I saw a report on CBS and the CBS special last night that told me exactly why. American courts, I'm, I'm sick of these stories baby richard baby johnny baby mary baby this baby that parents adopt children years later the uh natural parents come back and uh, go to court and take the child back the courts are giving the children back that's horrendous horrendous and it's so it's no wonder now i understand why the lady was over in ho chi minh city and i don't blame her a bit so i thought that would be a good subject mostly the comment uh, i must tell you has been uh, kind of divided I would say the lion's share of it, uh, Bob Dole, and his blast at Hollywood, and then uh, the rest of it, Bosnia, and scattered other topics. So that's where the morning has been so far. I have promised something, and I'm now going to deliver. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, let me get a couple of things out of the way here, and then I will deliver. I, I said that I would... Uh, uh, read the Pope's predictions to the year 2000, and in just a moment, I am going to do exactly that. Okay, here we go. I have not been able to confirm whether the following is true or false. What I have in front of me is an article from a publication called Insight. The name of the article is A Pope's Predictions to the Year 2000. I warn you, some of this may be disconcerting to many of you. I also want to preface it with what they have prefaced the article with. Entitled, Editor's Note. The following is from the diary of Pope John XXIII, who reigned from 1958 to 1963. This copy that appears in 
uh, total was distributed by certain groups in several Catholic churches in Metro Manila. The world will suffer through a painful period of violent wars, deadly famine, and destructive natural disasters over the next eight years. But that nightmare will be followed by a lengthy stretch of love and harmony, a beautiful, serene heaven on earth. Those startling predictions come from the sensational lost diary of Pope John the Twenty-Third, the beloved pontiff, who died June 23, 1963. The dusty, leather-bound diary contained handwritten predictions and was found by a Vatican cleaning woman who was sorting through boxes stacked in a little-used storage room. The entries clear, clearly spell out the assassination of John F. Kennedy, the Vietnam War, the unrest in the Middle East, the fall of communism years before they took place. Later entries call for even more troubled times. Pope John had periodic visits from both Jesus and the Virgin Mary, says a reverend who's poured over the wondrous tales. These sessions in the Pope's chambers resulted in fantastic glimpses into the future of mankind. The Pope was saddened to learn that conditions will get much worse before they take a sudden sensational turn in the year 2000 that will return the world to the pristine beauty that was here for Adam and Eve. Pope John writes of heavenly visitors arriving by June of 95 in flaming chariots of steel. These special visitors will arrive at the height of despair and help man heal his wounds and work together to right all the horrible wrongs. Father D'Angelo, now 73 years old, has agreed to release some of the diary entries made between February of 1959 and April of 1963. The scrawled messages reveal a frightened and excited pontiff who decided to keep his meetings with Christ and the Madonna a secret. The first appearance of Christ took place February 12, 1959. Pope John notes, quote, Dear God, I have been blessed like no man before me. The Savior has granted me a special audience here in my chambers. He tells me that I've been chosen to hear the truth no matter how awful it may be. It scares me a bit to be so entrusted, but I am honored all the same. Jesus tells me the Virgin Mary will come soon to deliver the first news of what will be. Now, the diary entries. Here we go. April 7th, 1959. She is more beautiful than I had ever imagined. The Madonna is a joy to behold. I just wish her message was a more positive one. She says, in four years' time, the world will lose a great leader, and a powerful nation will find itself involved in a conflict it cannot win. The fighting will take its toll on the battlefield, and from within, as the population despises the loss of its young men. The Holy Mother sheds tears as she describes the heartbreaking vision. August 17, 1959. The Madonna's second visit is much like the first. She speaks sadly of unrest in her homeland, a change in the balance of power and much blood being spilled in the sand. She says several madmen will send their people into battles in the name of God, but the Creator has nothing to do with these senseless struggles among brothers. January 30, 1960. Christ comes to me again. 
I yearn to tell my fellow Christians of these miraculous appearances, but I am advised to keep quiet until the time is right. I cannot help but think that I, I could perhaps head off some of the terrible trouble that looms for all of us, but Christ tells me that misery must take place for the master plan to succeed. June 13, 1960. The Virgin Mary says the world will get a false sense of hope 30 years from now when the chains of repression are shattered throughout, Europe, uh, throughout Eastern Europe. The joy, however, will be short-lived as the freed people fight among themselves on how to run their countries. Thousands of poor, innocent children will perish due to the foolishness of their fathers. March 6, 1961 Just when I thought my heavenly visits were over, the Madonna comes to me again. She seems tired of the headache that she must share with me. May I replace headache, not headache, heartache she must share with me. My heart aches to see her hurting so. The news again foreboding. The early 1900s will be a period of deadly national disasters. She says paradise will be struck by powerful winds and waves, while killer floods and earthquakes will shatter man's dwellings. By the middle of the decade, regional skirmishes will develop into full-fledged conflicts. As the casualties mount worldwide, famine will strike. The devastation will be like none seen before, especially throughout Africa where millions will perish. September 23, 1961. She has returned with yet more bad news. It is becoming truly difficult for this humble servant to hear of such overwhelming hardships. The Madonna tells me, terrifying diseases will be unleashed on the already weakened population of the world by late 1984. Wars will begin to wind down because the fighting nations will be greatly weakened from within. This is the beginning of the change. Hallelujah. May 19th, 1962. Now brace yourself, because some of this is going to begin to get to be very close. From the heavens will appear the saviors. They will arrive June 5th, 1995, and begin the task of assisting in the cleanup and repair of the environment in the crippled countries. Many will fear these odd-looking beings, but they come in peace and will, with God's guidance, transform Earth from a charred spinning rock to a lush oasis in space. The survivors will flourish in a world without war, disease, or hatred. My heart is finally at peace with this knowledge that there is hope for humanity. June 2nd, 19. 62. The Madonna tells me this will be her final visit. It is a joyous one, for she shares tremendous news. As the year 1998 arrives, our heavenly friends will have shared much of their advanced knowledge. Mankind will at last wipe out most of its diseases, and our lifespan will increase to the length of those listed in the Bible. The visitors will also share the remarkable power of resurrection and throngs of wrongly dead will rise again. Finally, a wondrous miracle will take place in the sky above New York City, December 5th, uh, excuse me, December 25th, 2000, the year 2000, when millions will witness the sensational appearance of a Messiah 
who will announce the beginning of a second paradise here on earth. Pope John XXIII died a year later, before he ever had a chance to release his predictions. Experts say the diary is 100% authentic, and they urge people to prepare themselves for even leaner times before the beginning of next century. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. That is the Pope's predictions to the year 2000. I thought it timely, um, aside from all the many requests I had uh, to please read them again, with the prediction with regard to June 5th, 1995, it's obviously a timely moment to uh, reread them. They're unnerving, or they're joyful, or they're many things. They may or may not be true. It is odd that they would come from Manila uh, in the Philippines um, and uh, be represented to be from the Vatican. I cannot represent to you whether they are real or not real. It's, it's like anything else. I was uh, sent these. They were published in the publication called Insight. And so for whatever it's worth, there they are. The Pope's predictions to the year 2000. Hope you all got to hear them. Uh, oh, incidentally, uh, these are in a text form, and you can get a copy of these uh, by calling our bulletin board service, which is open 24 hours a day with many photographs and these predictions. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM. From June 1st, 1995. Presents Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired June 1st, 1995. Good morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell. And uh, let me finish up by again saying the uh, Pope's predictions to the year 2000, along with about uh, over, well, now over 30 or 35 photographs, are in our bulletin board. And um, I would like to urge any of you who would like to get any of those photographs to do it this morning because. I have now received the balance of the photographs from the uh, the trip to uh, uh, the Orient, uh, which for me included uh, Hong Kong, 
uh, Canton, China, up into Communist China, Bangkok uh, in Thailand, and Tokyo in Japan. And I took photographs everywhere. And, of course, I took your standard basic temple photographs and um, river photographs and all the beautiful stuff you normally... But to me, um, and I might add, with my wife's blessing, I... There are some very beautiful women in all of those locations, even up in Communist China. And so I sought out several beautiful women from each country, and I took their photograph, and I've got some of those photographs. I think they are as much of a... You see, I love women, and they're as much a part of anybody's culture as temples and all the rest of it. Women are serious animals. And um, uh, so I've got some, I've got some real beauts. ho oh, ho. And I do have some beautiful uh, photographs of, uh, well, all kinds of things that I had to do with the trip. And we're going to be, I think I'm going to be posting those uh, probably, no guarantee, but probably tomorrow. So if you're going to get into the bulletin board, you ought to do it now, because once I post those, it's going to go nuts and nobody's going to be able to get in. We've got a lot of other things we're going to do, too, by the way. We're going to put Bob Crane's, uh, I'm going to put Bob Crane's uh, lineup photographs of his lineup in that bulletin board. I'm going to put pictures of Dexter Yard's flowers in there. In fact, I may do that tomorrow. Uh, we're just going to put all kinds of things, and there'll be a, a chronology of the whole China trip in there photographically. Now, for those of you that don't have computers, we're going to be publishing um, a lot of good color photographs of the same stuff in our newsletter. So if you don't have the newsletter, here's how you get that. It's, it's just $29.95 a year, and frankly, you ought to get the newsletter even if you do have a computer, because there's a lot in the newsletter that never does appear on the bulletin board. From Bryn Marie and San Fran, personally, I'm afraid I cannot take Robert Dole's rant against the entertainment industry too seriously until he mentions Arnold Schwarzenegger by name. I mean, if there's anybody in the entertainment biz who's guilty of making movies that are chock full of gratuitous violence, it's Arnold. But tell me, how likely will that be? Arnold is a Republican. As soon as Dole is sincere enough to wag his finger at everybody who promulgates violence in the industry, and not just, not just rap stars, then I'll give him some serious consideration. Hmm. East of the Rockies, you are on the air. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Uh, All right, now, do you know why you're stumbling and you don't know what to say? It's because you have your radio on. Do the wild thing at 702-727-1295. No, 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 no. No, we're not allowed to use last names on the air. Oh, okay. So I had to just eliminate your last name. Your name is Poindexter. Yeah. That's an interesting name. What what do they call you for short? (laughs) Nothing, that's it. Poindexter. Yeah. Okay, Poindexter, let her rip. All right, I just want to say that uh, Patty Duke needs to beat up Sylvia Slagelmeyer 25 times with the, with the apricot that she mashed on that scooter that just, you know what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't have the slightest idea, Poindexter, but I appreciate the attempt. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah, Art, this is Pavo. Long time music, I don't Nah, I'm just kidding, Art. I can tell it's not Pavo's. I'd know Pavo's voice instantly. Okay. Hey, uh, I guess... Uh, Clinton's really serious about gearing up for the 96 election. He's making more cuts at the White House. And he got rid of the uh, convertible at the White House. He never did like a draft. 
he got rid of who? The the convertible at the White House. You know, the convertible? Yeah. And uh, because he never did like a draft. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I guess I should laugh there, but somehow it didn't hit the point. Anyway, uh, did you hear at the, uh, the OJ trial when, uh, I think it was uh, Cochran was talking to uh, Simpson? Is this another joke? <laughs> you can't stand them, huh? Um, well, I mean, no offense, but if they're good. Well, okay. Anyway, the Cochran told them the, there's good news and bad news. The bad news, they, <clears throat> they found O.J.'s blood everywhere, you know, in the, at the murder scene, uh, in his car, in his home. Mm. <clears throat> and O.J. said, well, what's the good news? And he says, well, your cholesterol's down. Okay. Keep your day job. I, you know, there is actually some pretty, the one really serious piece of, uh, of news to come out the last couple of days, uh, I thought was, and the, the, um, the prosecution's gonna have to figure out a way to deal with this, but of all the blood samples taken, the blood sample on the fence, you remember the one that was taken late out on the fence? And the blood sample taken from the sock. You remember the sock, right? These are the ones that the defense contends were set-ups, you know, uh, planted. The uh, DNA people, the blood people, were forced to admit that there was much, much more DNA in those two samples, human DNA, than there were in any of the other samples taken, not only those in the dirt, but those in the concrete, and so forth and so on. Much more human DNA indicating that they might have been fresher. Now, this, this really does uh, give the defense an opening to say, aha, you see, it was planted. And I, I wonder how the prosecution is going to deal with this. Now, there was some testimony attempting to say, well, dirt, you know, the common variety dirt, when it interacts with human blood, tends to dilute or do something strange to the DNA. But a lot, and now bear in mind that a lot of that blood was taken from locations other than those with dirt. So why would there be more DNA in those samples that had been, for the one, for example, out on the fence that supposedly uh, had been there and out in the weather for a long time? I thought that was a very interesting um, a bit of uh, testimony. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Um, I'm just Josh per oh Josh in um Portland. I'm fourteen. Hi Josh. And it's my first call. Well um, welcome. Yeah. yeah, my first listener, K E X. Yes, sir. And I just um wanna know what station I could get from Quitman, Mississippi, because 'cause I'm out visiting my dad for the summer. Right uh, now. Oh, where where are you going in Mississippi? I live in Mississippi in Quitman right now, but I'm visiting my dad in Portland right now. Uh well let's see, Mississippi. Mississippi. Um, we're not in a lot of areas in Mississippi. We are uh, in Greenville, Mississippi. Is that anywhere close? That's pretty close. Oh, yeah? Okay. Then try WGVM uh, 1260 on the dial in Greenville, Mississippi. Throughout the rest of the state, WOAI in San Antonio is heard very well. So you'll get us one way or the other. They're 1200 on the dial. So listen between 12 and 13. You'll find us somewhere. Okay. Okay? Okay, and um, 
I just want to make a note to Poindexter. He needs to just get a life or something. Because he's a geek or something. Well, i got to go right now. i got to go, too. Okay. See you later. Okay, bye. Somehow I have a feeling you know Poindexter. On the first-time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Turn your radio off, please. You got it. This is John calling from San Diego, Kogo Land. Yes, sir. And I just wanted to thank you for being the talk show host that you are. You're like the voice of reasonableness in the wilderness. I don't know. I hope. Um, we both know it's a strange world out there, and it's nice mm. to see somebody who's willing to examine that with a jaundiced eye, I guess I can say. Jaundiced? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as well as informed. Uh, the main reason I called was I was calling in reference to the gentleman whose son was in the Army in Macedonia. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I was kind of concerned. I'm an Air Force veteran of uh, 10 years. And my major point was uh, with the security measures that go on in troop movements and stuff, I was surprised that his son had the freedom to, I guess, transfer that information to his father. I, I appreciate his father's stand on everything and such, but, uh, you know, the lives of his son's compatriots or, or fellow soldiers could be on the line because of information like that. How do you feel about that? Well, um, I think think that the military monitors uh, mail from, right. sen- from sensitive areas, and if the military didn't want it known, they would have uh, blacked it out. Okay. And that was it. All right, sir. You have th- a good th- night. You too, and uh, thank you very much for the call and the kind words. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hi, this is Dane from San Diego. Yes. Um, yes. Um, about the entertainment industry, I kind of think that the far right uses the entertainment industry the way the left uses gun control. It's kind of like one of those superfluous issues that's only used there to um, push hot buttons. You know well, then, then oh, my only question would be, then, if that's true, how come the far right makes absolutely no progress against the entertainment industry and and uh, the left gets guns banned? Um, the, um, because... The media, the, the media is really biased. And the thing is, when the far right talks, they're just talking. They don't try and push legislation. The far left pushes Ooh. a lot of legislation, and it, it, you know, which really gets to me. I don't, you know, I don't take it too seriously when the left talks about entertainment industries. Now, if they tried to censor, that would really get to me. You know, what I'm, you know, what I'm saying. Well. Look, let's examine uh, for a second. I, I really didn't think Bob Dole was very sincere. I thought he was just being political. Oh. But let's take his statement uh, at face value for a second. If what he said is true, then to simply state it and note it, and if it really has the effect he says it's having, uh, then what other answer, what other uh, course of action other than some sort of censorship? That's why they give our ratings. So people who can't discern between art and reality don't get in. I mean, if you look at the entertainment industry, I've got Entertainment Weekly in front of me. The most popular TV shows are movies are Home Improvement, Friends, and the top movies are like um, have basically been Forrest Gump, The Lion King. So I mean, it seems to me that the most violent movies. Um, don't make as much money as the less violent movies, you know, and the ones that are real violent are rated R. So you, um, I, I just saw Die Hard just recently, and they weren't letting kids under eight, under 18 in. They were telling them to, you know, leave the line. Yeah. 
So, so I, so I think that's totally superfluous because that's why they make ratings for. All right, sir. Appreciate your call. Um, I tend, with one exception, uh, to be very much against uh, any sort of censorship. And I'll say this one last time. I have considered and am a supporter of the idea. You know, we can all scream about how parents ought to be responsible, and of course they should. They should decide what their children see. But we are in a nation, like it or not, you can't dispute it, of a lot of latchkey kids, kids who come home at 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon, 3 o'clock, and the first thing that goes on is the television. Mom and Dad aren't there. TV goes on. Children are not adults. Child brains are not adult brains. I'm able to watch natural-born killers or anything else and put it in perspective and not want to go out and grab a gun and kill a bunch of people because I saw a movie. An adult mind is able to discern. I mean, there are exceptions, but they're few and very far between. A child's mind is a very different thing. It's in its formative stages. It's still absorbing. And it does not have enough life reference uh, many times to understand what it's seeing is not reality. So it seems to me it would be reasonable. I like to advertise myself as a reasonable person. I think of myself that way. To control the content of television during the hours that children are coming home from school and are awake. After that, television can be television. I don't feel the same way about movies. They're rated. Parents need to make decisions. You've got to pay. You've got to make a conscious choice. Television is coming into everybody's home. So that's, uh, you know, so that's a sort of a mild call for some form of censorship. I realize that, and I stand by my statement. On the toll-free line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, this is Joe in San Francisco. Hi, Joe. I'm the Newt fan out here. Oh, you are? All right, okay. Uh, I think Newt's going to run. I'm almost sure of it now. You know, I would think that a Newt Gingrich fan uh, in San Francisco would be in danger of being lynched, at the very least. Uh, well, yes, you might, you might say that. I mean, would you, for example, go down the street shouting, Newt, Newt, I love Newt? <laughs> no, but I've had, you know, conversations in public and haven't gotten uh, killed yet. But uh, It's hopeful. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, well, I, I really think he's going to run. I thought it was, there was no way... But the more I think about it, I think he wants to be the president throughout the, the you know the turn of the century. I'll tell you something. Um, they uh, indeed uh, he's made a couple of statements in the last couple of days that seem to begin to open the door. Well, you, you know he didn't uh, he didn't say no. Whereas before he said he had decided to call it off a few months ago. Right. But then on Meet the Press he said. Well, I don't know. I'm not going to rule it out. That's and right. Then, oh, now I know it's. I think the wheels are in motion because he went off with Rush and, and William Bennett down, and uh, they had a powwow, and uh, he talked, and Rush talked about it, and said that, oh, I think there's a 51 percent chance he's going to run. Well, I think it would be the single most exciting political race of our lifetimes. Absolutely. I I would I, I can't think of anything that would be more fun. Uh, anybody more equipped to come at Clinton, and Clinton would come back hard. I mean, they're both good campaigners. It would be something. Yes, and I think the Republicans, they're very excited. I mean, a lot of Republicans now I hear them saying that, well, 
you know, they're, they're, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's doing good as speaker. He shouldn't leave the speakership, you know. He should stay there. He's doing great. Yeah, there is that. But, you know, he's, he's kind of at a zenith. I mean, a lot of the legislation that he, through his leadership, did get through, uh, that's right. Without argument, um, is going to get bogged down in the Senate. Now, before th there's sort of disappointment shifted back to him on that, he should grab the moment. The moment is just right and go, and so go for it. I think so, too, Art. I, I ought to be on his, his camp. I, I, could, I think I could advise him. Th thanks a million for the call, sir. I mean, you, he's just the right person with the right personality and the right in intellect at the right time for the right race against the right opponent, Bill Clinton. He, it would be, it'd be incredible, incredible. Oh, well, dream race. We'll see. Maybe he'll run. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. What I wanted to say is I went to a psychic fair in Portland. It was um, a couple of years ago. Actually, it was right in the middle of the Bush-Clinton um, election. Yes. And what they were saying, they were kind of evenly split on who was going to win. It was a toss-up at that point. One, of The thing that I just jumped out at me yesterday, and I, I don't know why I remember this, one of the women said that Clinton would win, but it would be irrelevant because it would be he would be the last democratically elected president that we would have. Um, she didn't elaborate too much. Um, I'm, I'm guessing some sort of martial law situation after that. What I was wondering is the next time you had a futurist on, if you could ask him to comment. Oh, I'd be glad to. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have them on whenever I, I get a good one to have on. So, good. Uh, um, sure. And I know it's a kind of a general thing, but I don't know why that jumped out at me. So, um, And also, um, the previous caller said something about a, a letter from a, a gentleman in Matt's station in Macedonia. What was that? If you could just give me a brief thing. Um, well, that, that'd be rough. I'd, I'd rather let the man call back and do it himself okay. uh, on, on another night. Uh, it's one call per night. It was a letter from his son in Macedonia, and um, I don't want to misquote it, so I'll, I'll, I'll just leave that one alone for now. I'm sure he'll call back. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Let me turn off my radio, Art. Oh, do that right away, yes. Okay. This is Jeff from Rockland, and I called and talked to you last night. Yes. Um, when describing uh, what I had seen... I didn't have a chance to tell you that what I saw was about maybe 40 to 60 yards above me and also made no discernible sound. Okay. And so I... I you're, you're the man who saw the triangle. Yeah, and I could be somewhat mixed up on the lights. I went to work tonight and talked to my buddy. We both saw the same thing. And I drew a picture of it right after we saw it. And it was so close to us that as it passed, you could hear the wind going through it, but not much of anything else. That's how close it was. It was just over the pine tree lines. Even more gently. Huh? Just sort of very gently, uh, uh, sort of a breeze sound, not, well, a, not a motor sound. Right, very slow. Uh -huh. And it went by so slow we wondered how something so big could support itself. And we weren't thinking UFO because it didn't look like anything we knew of a UFO. Sure. So we thought it was some kind of new high-tech bomber or something. Well, uh, there, you know, you've got to bear in mind, uh, that is possible. I mean, we've, we've got things that we're working on that I'm sure we don't know about. That's why they call it Dreamland, right next to me over here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from June 1st, 1995.
Presents Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired June 1st, 1995. This is the final outrage. Has to be the final outrage. I can't believe it. Uh, there's somebody I know. His name will be Joe. His name is Joe, actually. And uh, he does business um, uh, in Southeast Asia a lot. And uh, he just sent me a, a fax that's hard to believe. Dear Art, welcome home. Tonight is the first time that I caught your show since your return, so I unfortunately missed the comments you must have made about your trip. Of course, I did for days. Would like to have heard them. I don't know what date you uh, what date you uh, arrived in Bangkok, but I arrived on Sunday, the 14th of May. When I opened the Bangkok Nation newspaper, the attached cartoon jumped out at me. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what it was? The... The Benson cartoon. I can't believe it. It was in the Bangkok Nation newspaper. Anyway, he goes on, I was furious. I wanted to call the editor and tell him you were coming to Bangkok and wanted an interview to rebut this outrage. Then the humorous side of this unfairness hit me. I could picture you settling into your hotel to start this much-anticipated vacation, having a gorgeous Thai woman with one of those incredibly beautiful smiles pointed directly at you as if you were the only man in the world, serve you a Singhao beer. That's what they have there. I had many Singhaos while I was there. And uh, as you open the paper and spot this cartoon, you go into a rage, slander Buddha, and spend your entire vacation in, in a Thai jail. Hope it didn't happen. No, it didn't. But I will tell you this. Had I known it ran in, the, in a Thai paper, I would have been uh, much more cautious about giving out my name. <laughs> in addition... Um, I would like to note that in uh, in Thailand, the one thing I'm told you do not do is slander the king. Now, in Thailand, to slander the king is to go to jail. I'm not as sure about Buddha, but I doubt good things would happen. Certainly, if you slander the king, you go directly to jail without passing go in Thailand. They tell you that right away. Criticize, if you wish, the bureaucracy. The Thai people don't mind that. But do not criticize the king. Very bad, very bad. Go to jail without passing go directly. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Um, I was wondering if you had an opportunity to read uh, Nothing in This Book is True, but but it's exactly how things are. <laughs> uh, you mean Rush's book? No, no, it's... Um, Not the way you wish... Uh, well, I see. Um, no, it's Bob Frizzle's uh, book. Uh, Nothing in This Book is True, but it's exactly how things are. Sounds like a play on Rush's book, but no, I haven't read it. No, uh-uh. yes, yeah, by uh, Bob Frizzle, and it's uh, available from Frog Pre- Frog Limited Press. Frog Limited Press. Yeah, and it talks about the Philadelphia Experiment and the uh, alien creatures and the fourth dimension and uh, Egypt and 
Atlantis and <laughs> so you could say it jumps around a lot. Oh yeah, and the Grays and Tibet from, from and, uh, Frog Frog Press. You don't even get it, do you? Oh yeah, it jumps around. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy your program. Well, I I've, I've enjoyed your call, uh, and it sounds like an interesting book. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And a lot of books. You gotta see all the books I've got. I've got my own library. Getting to them all is another matter. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Hi. Yeah, good morning, Art. And to you. Welcome back from your trip. This is Richard calling from PV. Togo uh, country. Uh, uh, where? Palos Verdes. Palos Verdes, okay. Well, yeah. see, that could mean Pahrump Valley. <laughs> yeah, say I uh, enjoyed your first broadcast on your return. Welcome back to the good old USA. It's always good to get back. Yeah, listen, Art, <coughs> you know, you really, <coughs> you really fascinate me. Um, Star Trek is one of my favorite science fiction shows, you know. There's a lot, uh, lot there for a person's imagination, you know, and you do a lot of phenomenal things, and you're very much of a leadership position in the United States, as far as I'm concerned, you know, because... Uh, no, I'm not. That, look, don't confuse talk show hosting with uh, leadership. It's not leadership. It's talk show hosting. Leadership is when you get elected, and even then it's hard to find. Well, I mean, you know, you have a tremendous amount of... Uh, 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 Impact on the peoples, you know, throughout the, all your 170 stations. That that might be so. Yeah, and you know, the, the other night, you know, when you had to broadcast, the gentleman called in. This is the, one of the reasons why I called you about. He was talking to you about this gentleman by the name of Ted Gunderson, who's locally out here in Santa Monica. You know. Yes. I've never had the privilege of meeting a man in person, but I have spoke to him a long time ago, 1992, on the telephone. Right. And uh, he wrote this article, and uh, there's a lot to this article, and uh, he's in Santa Monica, and I really would love the challenge that you'd have him on the air to talk about this. Uh, the man has put his life on the line, believe me. He's 28 years, he's an expert on security and terrorism in the FBI, retired FBI agent, and uh, the man has got a lot to say about this situation. I mean, he refers to it as electrohydrodynamic gaseous fuel device, and he says only those persons who need to possess knowledge of research classified at the very highest level of top secret by the U.S. government, in addition to access to a vast array of chemical and electronic components. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Have him contact me and... Uh, I beg pardon? Have him contact me, and we'll talk about it. Well, I mean, he's in the, he's in the phone book in Santa Monica, California. Okay. Well, I'll uh, give you his number if you like. No, 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 not here. Uh, you can fax it to me, sir, or uh, send it to me in a letter, but uh, please don't give it out over the air. But I'm, you know, I'm glad. To, I'm always glad to talk to uh, to anybody who would make an interesting guest. Uh, you will find out as time goes on. I don't, I don't have guests on the show just to have them on. Uh, there's got to be some. Either it's got to relate to something hot going on, or it's got to be a lot of fun, or it's got to be really fascinating. Or I just don't fill up time with guests. Otherwise, we've got open lines to do here. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing? Um, pretty well. Okay, this is Anthony from Cottonwood, California. Hi. Okay, I had an interesting thought here. You're talking about a Newt Gingrich possibly running for the presidency. I would love it. The guy's got some brass cojones, no doubt about it. Um, who do you think he would choose for his running mate? Uh, I'll tell you who the, the best person would be. Hmm. Colin Powell. You think so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that would... Uh... That would do all kinds of things. I mean, I could I could make a whole list about why Colin Powell would be an incredible running mate for Newt Gingrich. Uh, now there would be a ticket. Yeah, that, that definitely would. That would be a power play. Boy, you'd have all the big guns coming out. Yep. 
<laughs> no doubt about it. I mean, that's the kind of election I want to see. I don't want a boring election. Uh, Dole and Clinton, that's going to be boring. I'll bet you. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it would be. Uh, Dole's not really even the man you want to get in the White House. You know, I just wanted to say also that I've been listening to your program for a long time, and you really give a, uh, a different outlook on things, a better perspective, maybe. Well, maybe different. Maybe different. I, I appreciate your call, sir. Thank you. I'm just whatever I am. And uh, and I, I try not I try to not stop and think about that. I also try not to think about all the people that are out there. It really makes me nervous. And people are making me do that all the time. <laughs> Even at the uh, when we had our meeting in the Far East, they they said that you know don't you get nervous at all the people out there, and I never even think about it until someone mentions it to me, or it starts making me think about the program. You know I don't think that much about it. I just do it, and when I think about it, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Okay, sir. Uh, I'm on the air right now. As opposed to some other time, you mean? Yes, you're on <laughs> right now. Uh. My name is Carl. Uh, I just wanted to throw my two cents in. Okay. Uh, I don't think that Gingrich is, uh, I don't think he's going to run right now, this 96 year coming in. But uh, I, I think he'll he'll gear up for the next election after that. Well, that's the conventional wisdom, but I think he's starting to change his mind. You think so? Yeah, I do. And uh, about oh. Bob Dole? Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I can concur with what you're saying about him. He's uh, seems like he's an opportunist. Well, see, everybody's saying that. I, I mean, everybody's calling up saying this and that about Bob Dole, except for one man who said he's better equipped to be president. In other words, so many in this audience seem to agree with that position, and yet the great, all the great surveys are showing that Bob Dole is just way out in front. I mean, nobody's even close. And one, and one more thing. Hmm. You know. Uh, Clinton wouldn't be so bad if he didn't have so many problems with his flip-flops and also with, I mean, his... his yeah, but that, that's just like saying... The way, the that, way he ran his cabinet, getting everybody into place, I mean, they, it was just, it was a fiasco. Uh, past presidents, whether you liked them or not, uh, they always had their, their transition team was, you know, the way they ran things, and they got the cabinet set, and they got all their appointments, and and I mean everybody's had scandals before, man. But this guy, yeah, but that's like saying you know Hitler wouldn't have been so bad if he hadn't been a Nazi. <laughs> I, I got to run, sir. Thank you. I mean he does have all these problems. He's not a good leader. He says after he cites one good act of leadership with regard to the Japanese sanctions. I think he had guts to do that. But you know that's one issue Clinton does understand is is trade. I'll give him that. But be, but aside from that, I mean, this man is right. It has been a comedy of errors. Uh, only they're not so comical because in a lot of cases they've resulted in people getting killed, like in Somalia. And now this, this whole scheme of his to get us involved in Bosnia. I mean, this one's really awful. So, yeah, it's like saying, you know, Hitler would have been so bad if he might have been an okay guy if he wasn't a Nazi. Well, he wasn't an okay guy. What he believed was not okay. And what this president apparently believes is not okay. Uh, going into Bosnia right now is... is... Um, 
you know, I'm not an activist. Um, you know me. I, I'll speak out on things, but I'm not really an activist. And I'd probably get activist if I saw ground troops going into Bosnia. That might activate me. It really might. I might get out and protest that. It's insane. Absolutely insane. You've got to have a reason to move the U.S. military, to send men to risk their lives. And, so, and going in to help the U.N. circle the wagons and get in more defensible positions to do a job they can't do anyway is no reason to send one person to die. No, sir. We, he better not send us. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Art. That's me. <laughs> Archie from Seattle. Yes, sir. Uh, Como. Huh? Como. Uh, yeah, half and half. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we got to switch over at uh, what is it? One o'clock. One one a.m. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think we ought to be honest with the public about this uh, baby Richard and baby Jessica uh, deal case. How so? Um, well, in in both cases, did the court require that the uh, father release? Uh, any kind of custody over the children uh, before they placed them with the uh, adoptive uh, parents or you know, people that were looking to adopt? Well, maybe not. Look, sir, I'm just saying that um, more and more now, it's not just those cases, but there are a lot of cases now in which um, parents are coming back and taking children from people who have been raising them for years and years. Yeah, well, that, that's what I'm saying. I, I think that the uh, cases where people are coming back is the court has neglected to seek out the father and uh, and see what's going on there. Yeah. I think in both cases with uh, baby Richard and baby Jessica, that was the case. And the guy came back two months after the kid had been placed for two months and said, hey, I didn't know the kid was alive. I got a different story. Um, yeah, I'm going to play my kid. I've, and... I've got you. I, I know. But, okay. I, I, you know, I don't care. At some point, to me, a reasonable person says no matter the circumstance, when you take that child away after all these years, uh, even if you've been sitting fighting in court, you know, trying to get the thing done, at some point a reasonable person says, the, for the, the, the welfare of this child, it needs to remain with the people who are doing a great job raising it. Because the court uh, screwed up. I don't think that's right. Well, they, they should they should get their act together, and then uh, there wouldn't be so much hardship on these kids. Well, yeah, but and, that's, and, the, that's the whole point. Yeah. The kids, sir, the, you know, if they are really, really, and everybody always says it, oh, the child has got to be the number one consideration. If If that's the only consideration, then what should happen? The welfare of the child is what I'm talking about now. Not not, not the, the parents that are or want to be. The welfare of the child. What's best for that child? Well, what, what would have been best was would be for the court to act in a diligent manner when the, when the uh, biological parent came uh, forward and said... Yeah, but that's built, uh, that's built legal renderings. Um, in other words, uh, you, you, you're right, of course, but it makes no difference. Oh, okay, let me leave it at that with you saying I'm right. I just have one other comment. <laughs> And uh, what's the significance of the 1979 penny? I don't know. As a monkey in the wrench in Somewhere in Time. That's one of my favorite movies. Oh, too. of course. Thank you. Um, Christopher Reeves. Somewhere in Time. The 79 penny. Yeah, God, what a movie. You know, um, Christopher Reeves, uh, I think I've got a late story on him. He's in real trouble. And... Um, 
there was a movie he did called Somewhere in Time that has no equal in its category. It is the most romantic, even for a guy, you know, even for a guy, the most romantic movie done about time travel uh, ever, ever made. So if you have not seen, seen Somewhere in Time, go out and rent it. Go out and rent it. It's worth the money. First time caller line, you're on the air. Oh, good morning, Mr. Bell. Hello. I'm surprised to get through so easily. Well, uh, my name is Rob. I'm calling from the U.S. Colony, uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. Here, I'm listening to you on KFAR. The U.S. <laughs> Colony. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of get that feeling up here sometimes. We've got a uh, 66% of our land is owned by the Fed, so. Well, uh, we look. I'm I'm calling. I'm I'm in Nevada. Nine, yeah, 90%, well, I can sympathize with you. Ninety percent of our land's owned by the federal government. Ouch! Well, who's got has the other ten percent? What kind of uh? Well, I've, I've got a little bit of it myself. Oh, that's good. I, you know, I say ninety percent. I think it is uh, way up there. It's more than more than Alaska, even. Geez, that's that's pretty tough. Have you ever been up here before, Art? Uh well, I lived in Anchorage. Did you? Oh yeah. I know it's one of the when I first moved up here. One of the most striking things when I uh, came flying in was just uh, the lack of industry. You know, I had come uh, grown up in the Milwaukee area back in Wisconsin. Listen, I, I've rich. got some news for you. I may be coming to Fairbanks in August. Oh, fantastic! That's a good time of year to come. Well, the days are still long. I, it's a wimpy time of year to come, and I actually <laughs> I wanted to come. I really wanted to come up to Fairbanks in uh, in January or February. But uh -huh. it didn't work out. I was ready to go. I was ready to go. I bought my you wife. Know, As a matter of fact, I bought my wife a special coat, and then the whole deal fell apart. And so now they're saying August. I said, oh, all right. Okay. Yeah, definitely uh, Alaska should be experienced in the winter and in sure. Fairbanks. That's right. Food. Yeah. If you're going to come, you know, I uh, be a softie about it. The reason I was calling was about uh, the Ebola thing. You know, I've heard... So many different things when it first uh, came out. I, you know, when the first time I heard the story, there was like a hundred and some deaths, and then uh, by the next day they had it down to like forty. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of last week, I uh, just all reporting of any kind kind of dropped right off the end. I wonder if you had any news about what was going on over there. Well, maybe some of the people doing the counting are infected. Huh. That's well, a that's sure a Weisenheimer remark, but uh, I, and I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you, but. The truth is, it's like a war zone. And any of the numbers coming out of Africa right now are just simply not to be trusted. As far as I'm concerned, what the CDC is telling us about Africa should not be trusted. It's now dropped out of the news. That doesn't necessarily mean a thing. What I'm saying is, um, don't believe them. This is, uh, this is one case where I truly believe that if there were serious news, not good, regarding Ebola, airborne, whatever, they would not tell us. They absolutely wouldn't tell us. So this is one case where you're going to have to uh, rely on, to some degree, the press. If you begin hearing about uh, a spread going very quickly, then for all they say, don't believe them, it's airborne. We don't have that yet. And maybe the whole thing is contained, but I'm not comfortable with what I'm hearing. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning, Mr. Bell. Hi. This is Mark from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Yes, sir. 
Um, been dialing so long, I forgot what it was I wanted to talk about. That's bad. Uh, what are you in the mood for? Aliens, time travel, Bosnia, or uh, family values? You know me. I can go in any of those directions. Uh, okay, let me throw this question at you. I know you're interested in the ideas of time travel. Assuming that in the future, or sometime in the near future, or far future, someone does invent a time machine or time machines, wouldn't we be seeing these people pop up at historical events in the present? To witness them? How do you know they don't? <clears throat> do in, other words, in, other words, the... in other words, as they have traveled in time, right. what gives you uh, the, uh, the idea they would be necessarily visible in this dimension uh, to us at all? Um, yes, I can have just a second. Um, well, that's what I'm asking you. What would be your idea? Well, well you said, uh, why aren't they showing up at historical events now? And I said, what makes you think you could see them? Well, that's actually a good counterpoint. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, that's all I had. Okie dokie. Uh, thank you very much for the call. Let, uh, next time, uh, pick the door that says Bosnia. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time, on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM, from June 1st, 1995. Coast AM from June 1st, 1995. This is my desert music. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Yes. Cool. <laughs> I've been talking. Well, I, um, I'm one of these people that like called and got in the first time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh I see. Uh, where are you? I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, K F Y I. Yeah. Okay, I, like, love to hate you. You know, like, I really love your show and really hate your politics. I see. Well, but, at least you listen. Oh, yeah. I went out and, like, registered the vote for the first time in 20 years the other day. Democrat. Really? Yeah. I did that? Yes, you did. You were totally responsible. For having I started listening to your show because my boyfriend's Republican, and he, we work nights in a factory. The both of you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's Republican, and like, so I don't. He doesn't really listen to you that much anymore. But you do. Yes, I do. I'm not sure um, what all this is saying. I love saying. your show. You really <laughs> like. I 
like I say, it's kind of a dilemma. I love to hate you. Uh, well, uh, um, I, I can accept that. I, I can live with that. Cool. You know, um, but there's some Republican ideas I like. I like the death penalty, you know. I like um, the chain gang thing. You do? Yeah. But, you know, most that's that's all I can think of, really. You know, most of most of your ideas I really hate. Like what? Like what? Like what? Like, abo- okay, the abortion thing. Abortion? Yeah. Okay. What is yeah. it you, you hate about my position? My position on abortion is that I'm pro-birth control. You're pro-birth control. Mm-hmm. That's sort of okay. Is it? Sort of. You, you know, it's better than an abortion, huh? Isn't it? Well, I had an abortion once, like 20 years ago. It's not something I'm real proud of. Well, then it's not something that would be good, is it? No, it's not a good thing. So if you'd been taking birth, but, if you'd been taking birth control, you would have never had to make that decision, would you? Yeah, you're right. You're right, but you know, like young people don't want to go in a store, a drugstore, and ask for like contraceptives, you know. Well, that was then. This is now. When I was young, young people didn't want to go do. That's true, and uh, sure, I'm sure that's true of you too. It's, it really is true. It would be a big embarrassment to go into a drugstore and ask for a condom. Especially for a girl, like 20 years ago. Especially. No, I understand that. All right. Well, thank you. That was a good call. I just, uh, I think the decision should be avoided completely. I mean, it's an outrage. Having, what is it, 1.5 or 6 million abortions a year in this country now? That's awful. I, you know, I don't really even care which side of the argument you're on. You're, it's awful. You've got to admit that's awful. And the one way to prevent it is to prevent the decision now. This is not 20 or 30 years ago. This is now, and birth control is not a big deal to talk about, and it sure isn't a big deal to ask about. And um, that ought to be the answer. So uh, that really is, uh, but basically, yeah, I'm pro-life. I don't like abortion. I'll tell you, I don't like abortion. Just like that lady said, she had one. She's not proud of it, not happy about it. Would it not have been better uh, for her not to have even had to contemplate that decision? Of course. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning, Art. This is Ken calling from KVI territory. From where? Oh, KVI? Yeah, KVI. Except here in Seattle, Washington. I'm not on KVI now. You know, that that's one thing I don't understand. Some mornings, it seems like every other day you're on KVI, and then you're on coma. Then you're on KVI, then you're on coma. Oh, now you're mixing me up. See, I thought we were on KVI until 1 o'clock in the morning, and then after 1, we're on coma. Maybe you are, because sometimes I listen to you at some different times. Sometimes I listen to you earlier, sometimes I listen to you later in the evening, depending on when I finish my homework. Well, then that's your answer. Um, a quick question. Uh, you said you worked in cable. Yes. Uh, what exactly did you do in cable? Uh, I worked for the Times Mirror Corporation, mm-hmm. uh, which initially was Times Mirror, and um, in Las Vegas. And I, with a good, very good friend of mine, built the uh, all the... Um, uh, what's called the head end, uh, you know, the microwave uh, exactly. gear, the uh, satellite reception gear, the, proce- uh, the uh, channel processors, the scrambling, the uh, you name it, I did all of that. Mm-hmm. I built all that and then uh, ran that department for about five years. Yeah, I worked for a cable company by the name of Cable Plus. I was a, what's called a head end tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked for Cable Plus that's established out of here. Uh, its home office is in Bellevue, Washington. 
we do have quite a few uh, apartment complexes that we that we service down there in Las Vegas. Second question I have for you is what what is your uh, what does your education consist of? Just out of curiosity. Uh, my education consists of um, high school and a couple of years of college. Oh, so you went to like a junior college and received a AA? University of Maryland. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I was always curious about that. Okay, Art, well, you have a good morning. Thank you. Thank you. See you later. Uh, let's see. Going here, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. I'm calling from KENI up here in Anchorage. Anchorage, Alaska. Land yes, of the midnight sun. Right, and it's uh, still still rather light outside here. Not quite like Fairbanks where you'll be going, but... Uh, I, well, uh, let's see. What time is it up there now? Right now it's 2.40. 2.40 in the morning. And, uh, the sun just kind of gets uh, gets real low, you know, and goes up, goes beyond the horizon, but uh, the light effect's still here. I wonder. Hey, I, I, wonder, I wonder. Up, do you think the sun is still up in Fairbanks? Yeah, it. it you know, the summer solstice is, I think, June twenty-seven. Yeah, that's right. We're getting close. I wanted to take you to task a little bit about your treatment of um, Senator Dole. Okay. In the first instant, you characterized him, you know, as simply a politician, letting oh, loose with a barrage for political reasons. Yes, I did. And you took position on that, which I can't fault you for, because it's more interesting when you do have a bias there. However, it's like um, you should allow the person to make a statement and then judge it before you characterize it to begin with, like a well, but he has willing made. suspension of disbelief. Yes, sir, but he has. And the man, of course, excuse me? Yes, sir, but he has already made a statement. He made it yesterday. Right. Well, he is. A, he is. A, he has declared his uh, presidential uh, intentions, and he's gave the speech as the presidential candidate. I'm pretty sure he was advised to, you know, let loose with both barrels and uh, let shake loose his image. Yeah. And yeah. I think he did okay. that. Mm -hmm. And um, as I don't see how you can quite fault him for doing that, as opposed to looking at what he actually said, the content of his message. Mm -hmm. And I think that. What I heard you say was that uh, you kind of keyed on a couple of things there that were a little different than what I've heard locally. There's a man up here named Fritz Pettijohn. You may know him if you lived up here. And uh, he reported on the speech and, and indicated that what was important to him was the way in which he, uh, he did his number on the Time Warner people and said that uh, they were in danger of losing their souls for the way that they were... Uh, Packaging up sleeves for the popular, All right. popular consumption. All right, sir. I, I, that would be interesting to you. All right. Yes, it is. Uh, no, look, it is. I don't necessarily disagree. My comments about uh, Mr. Dole's statement had nothing to do with the content of what he said, with the exception of um, the Natural Born Killers comment. Other than that, my entire assessment of Bob Dole's statement was with regard to the timing of it, the motivation for it, uh, and the sincerity of it. Now, that's pretty harsh. I generally agree with most of what he had to say, frankly. I just think that it was politically uh, motivated, is quite transparent, is, has no history um, 
at all with Bob Dole. He has not come after Hollywood in this way uh, in the past, and he's got a very, very long trail behind him of taking positions on various things, and he has never attacked Hollywood in this way. And he is running. Uh, he has stated that he's running, as you point out. He's clearly the leader. It clearly, in my estimation, is an attempt to co-opt the right-wing religious support now enjoyed by Pat Buchanan. He needs that. Going into the convention, he needs that. So I see what Mr. Dole did as purely uh, political. Purely political. And I'm not arguing with the content. I guess I'm arguing with the sincerity, and that is pretty serious. On the wild card line, you're on the air. Oh, yes. Hi, Art. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> I have a suggestion um, about uh, opposing uh, Clinton. I, maybe, I don't know if you want to hear this or not, but I suggest how about Rush? Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting you should say that. I have heard some rumors uh, about that. Have you been hearing that? No, no. Um, there, there, it, he was actually mentioned. There were, maybe it was. A, I'm sorry, I see so many news programs and talk programs. Mm -hmm. But there was a semi-serious suggestion mentioning Rush as a candidate. Yeah, he knows all about Clinton. Uh, he he definitely run a hell of a campaign against Clinton. No question about that. I call him Clinkhead. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Well, uh, yeah, it is sort of. We we <laughs> should naughty. have. Well, I have my the excuse I have. It's early in the morning. So I'm like half asleep. <laughs> yeah, I think Rush would be an effective candidate. Yeah, great. Well, it's really good to hear you back. Well, glad to be back. Really Thank missed you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Take care. Uh, Rush would be good. He'd be a killer. You know, he'd really be he'd be hard for Clinton to handle. Very hard for Clinton to handle. It would be hard for talk radio to handle. Now, that would be something. Well, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I don't think Rush wants to run, though. Does he? Has it, has it, have any of the rest of you heard any suggestions? I have on a couple of shows. I'm, I'm trying to recall, and it just won't come to me what it was. Uh, wild card line, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, Art. I, uh... Uh, Tommy in Coco Country. Uh, Hi, Tommy. Encinitas. Yes, sir. Uh, I wanted to comment uh, on the uh, Baby Richard uh, case. I, I think that uh, what prompted from your last caller, but uh, real quickly, what I found was really transparent about uh, Dole and his uh, comments about Hollywood. Um, you've got some big names out in Hollywood that are Republicans that are uh, obvious by their omission. I mean, Bruce Willis, a hardcore Republican, yep. Sylvester Stallone, hardcore Republican, yep. Tom Selleck, uh, hardcore Republican. Their studios are out here. How? I just wondered how it was just the... Um, Shannon, just, Shannon, Shannon Dougherty? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, with that said, it, uh, just I, I just wondered who was contributing what to what campaigns and when. Uh, anyway, uh, back to... Uh, it's my understanding that Time Warner contributed to Bob Dole's campaign. Uh, five grand, I think. I wonder if they can take it back now. Uh, I bet they want to. Um, anyway, with the Baby Richard thing, I don't think that uh, I was kind of... You were out of the country when that was picking up a lot of heat, and there was a, yep. a lot of rallies about it. But uh, to the caller that uh, called up uh, talking about uh, law... 
Uh, imagine they can put uh, NAFTA on a fast track, but they can't uh, figure out a way to resolve an adoption on a fast track. is rather peculiar. But in the dissenting opinion of the, it was a 5-4 decision, and uh, one of the dissenting judges, I don't know the name, uh, wrote in his opinion uh, that the uh, decision to uh, turn baby Richard back to the biological father was unconscionable. That's real strong language for one justice to uh, to put in. Well, I agree with that decision, sir. Thank you. And I look, uh, you, you know, the caller was uh, suggesting that uh, this decision uh, to turn the child back was justified based on uh, the court having screwed up. And I guess what I'm saying is, everybody runs around saying what's best for the child, what's best for the child. Bull. They're not, you know, that, that kind of attitude is not what's best for the child. What's best for the child is that it's, if it is and has been in a loving home for many years, it's best for the child not to take it out of that home. So if all these high-minded, high-fluting people... Uh, out there who really uh, uh, would just practice what they preach about what's best for the child, I don't think there'd be any question. But uh, as usual, we get everything all tangled up in the legal system in America. And as I said, now I understand that lady I met in the airport in Tokyo had the Vietnamese child was on her way back. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Um, I wanted to talk about Bosnia. In the past year, I've listened to talk radio. I've done extensive reading on our government, you know, foreign relations, and uh, just all this New World Order stuff. And what I found out is kind of shocking. Um, in World War II, we gave uh, Eastern Europe to the communists. In Korea, we maintained the, the status quo. Well, no, 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 just slow, slow up there for a second. All Let's right. take them one at a time. We gave, there was an agreement, uh, ma'am, after, uh, after the war, and after all, you know, the Russians... Uh, participated and suffered heavily in the war um, on the same side we fought on, and uh, so there was an agreement. And, uh, well, yes, I believe they, the agreement was that the Russians would fight if they got Eastern Europe. That's why I'm reading it. Uh, well, in Korea, we maintained status quo. Yeah. Vietnam, we surrendered the whole of Vietnam to communists. Yeah. We've propped up communist dictators all over the world, and we've just deserted freedom-loving people. So my question is, whose side are our military dying for? Well... I think we ought to debate that. I think it's come to the time when we should debate this question. You think they're out there fighting for communism, huh? Do the reading and come to the conclusions you want to, but that's the ones that... Um, that there are probably heard. some of us out there that have come to that conclusion, Art. All right. Well, um, very good. Uh, I understand the way you feel. I don't agree with you. Um... And I don't think we're out there fighting for communism. I think right now what we're doing is just plain stupid. I think it probably is connected to internationalism, uh, not communism. Not, I mean, that's totally failed. Communism's on the way out. Is full capitalism on the way in? No. Are we moving toward a more socialist nation? Sure, we are. As what used to be communist is moving to a more capitalist place. I mean, these these are just facts. I don't even think that's disputable. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hi. Good, uh, good morning, Art. I'm and calling you. from Orange, going into the little bit of reddish county here. Um, do you know much about the Great Seal of the President of the United States? I've seen it many times. Um, do you know on the back of that seal there's the uh, 
the pyramid that we normally see on the back of the dollar bill. Yes. And it's got a uh, little slogan up there that says, He, God, has favored our undertakings, is Anuit Coptus. And I noticed in reviewing some tapes that I uh, recorded on the, some of Clinton's speeches that he didn't have the, the seal on the podium the night that uh, he spoke to the people in um, Oklahoma that Sunday. Mm. And I was wondering if you might think that to be a little odd. I've never seen a president without the seal. And it wasn't a, like it was a day of mourning because he had one whenever the um, he was honoring the dead police soldier, uh, the police officers that one day. Very suspicious, sir. Yes. Um, All right. Well, I, I thank you for that observation. And... Uh... I'll have to review some videotape. West of the Rockies, you're on the air very quickly here. Okay. Hello. Hi, Carol. Okay, well, you're on the air. Thank you. I have a comment to make about Pope Paul John II and his June the 5th prediction. Yes, uh huh. I would like to say that in the early 1900s, a Mormon president predicted that man would never land on the moon without the, wor without the world being destroyed first. Right. So because of that prediction, I consider Pope John Paul's prediction to be nuts. Yeah, it might be. I mean, the whole thing might be made up. I have no way of knowing. All I did was read it. Everybody wanted to hear it. Uh, we're close to the date, and so I thought it would be appropriate to do so. And it may be totally nuts. Who knows about these things? Who knows? Of course, June 5th's coming up pretty quickly, so we'll find out, won't we? I'm sorry, that's all the time there is. We're uh, ruled by the clock. I think I've got an interview coming up on KFYI uh, in about an hour or so. Uh, we'll see. Otherwise, see you tomorrow morning at about the same time, eh? Good night.